Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we are really excited today to be speaking to um, one of our community scholars, uh, Ms. Pamela Price uh, Esquire, who is running again for um, district uh attorney for uh, the County of Alameda. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sister Wanda. I'm great. Good morning. Blessings to you. Oh, good morning. So we just had an election, a special election, and today is a, um, a benchmark for your campaign. And what brings us to the conversation is a a law that just went into effect around around licensing for people with uh, felony convictions that nobody knows about. So thank you so much for joining us to talk about all those things. <laughs> so why don't we start with you? So tell us about, you know, a black woman and the law. Like what what brought you to this particular, um, I guess, um, commitment uh, to our community because you are certainly um, – a practicing justice with compassion, as as you say, um, as as sort of like your tagline. Thank you so much. I what brought me here is the injustice of our society, both in terms of the civil remedies. Most of my life has been spent. My practice has been as a civil rights attorney since 1991 in this mm-hmm. community, representing everyday people and holding people and institutions accountable and so injustice anywhere for my law firm our motive our motto is injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and so where we could we made a difference in bringing justice and i often told my clients it's a byoj system back in the day we used to go to the party and it would be a byob party you had to bring your own bottle well, injustice, it's a BYOJ, you bring your own justice system. And so that's what motivates me is, is the courage of everyday people to stand up for what's right, sometimes even when they're standing alone. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Are you um, uh, a native to the Bay Area? No, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, um, back mm. in the Midwest and uh, was raised there. Got arrested in my first civil rights demonstration there um, and, you know, went through some very challenging times there and once again became acutely aware that the system does not always do us justice and that you need a real advocate dealing with certain situations that are quite common in our community. And so Mm -hmm. I I was um, very challenged as a young woman, but I survived and made it literally from the streets of Cincinnati to Yale College, by the grace of God. Hmm. Wow, wow. Did Did you have any, like, role models? Um, I mean, because um, I don't know, do people just choose law um, <laughs> as a career? <laughs> no, I had wonderful role models. I was at Yale, I had the the privilege of working on a uh, committee called Yale Attica Weekend for Life, and we sponsored a program, a weekend of uh, protests at the Yale Law School, and we brought in um, the lawyers who represented the prisoners 
who participated in the Attica uprising. And Attica, many people don't know, was the largest prison uprising in the history of this country and Mm -hmm. resulted in the deaths of many people unnecessarily. And the family sued, and Lennox Hines, Margaret Burnham, and Haywood Burns represented uh, the Attica prisoners. And when they, um, when we asked them to come speak to us at the Yale Law School, they did. And I, as a young sophomore at Yale, got a chance to see these black lawyers who were on the front lines of justice, and they were serious. And it made an indelible impression upon me to know that lawyers who looked like me could stand up for people and fight and were very serious about it, and uh, it did. It impressed me tremendously. Then I also was privileged to be represented by some very um, creative lawyers in the first sexual harassment lawsuit under Title IX who actually showed me again in real life what it meant to be a lawyer for the movement and to give make the law apply to real people and have a real remedy for everyday people. So I had some wonderful examples of what it meant to be a lawyer and also seeing some people that we were opposed to would show me what what kind of lawyer I did not want to be. Charles Hamilton Houston said a lawyer is either a social engineer or a parasite. Mm. Wow, yeah, yeah. Ah, this is so cool. Well, we're definitely going to have you on again because we're going to make this a regular conversation. Like, yeah, so what's happening? (laughs) Um, You know, um, both locally and nationally that black folks need to know about around around the legal system. Um, I'm sorry, the question is what should black people know about legal, around the legal system? No, right now, like, for instance, um, you know, something brings, well, we're going to have you on regularly talk about that, you know, sort of Thank like, you. okay, this is what's happening now, folks. Um, you know, <laughs> sure. and, and so sort of that's this is what sort of precipitated our conversation because you're going to be hopefully um, having a column in one of our black papers, post, you know, um, around, uh, you know, how they have Dear Abby. Well, this is, you know, Dear um uh, you know, Miss Price, Esquire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, this this yeah. is what you all need to be bookmarking here, folks. All right, telling yeah. everybody about. So, so this is um, this is that conversation, and mm-hmm. and there are some things happening, you know, right now that people need to know about so they can share it with you know friends and family. I'm, unfortunately, I'm sure yeah. all of us know someone who has been touched by the criminal system. Um, and is still being criminalized by that system after they served time. Or maybe even they weren't even convicted. They were just held and had that particular projection felony, and mm-hmm. then it was it, it, had ne- it never happened because um, you can be held without being um, um, with cited. Is that the language for it? Mm-hmm. Convicted. Yeah, yeah, convicted. Right, convicted, exactly. Yeah. And, there's so, mm-hmm. and there's so many people. I mean, you know, we we learned about it last year. People uh, during the pandemic that were being held and not convicted that died from mm-hmm. COVID nineteen. Like, 
it was like and you know women who were pregnant you know lost children and their lives oh it's just horrible uh what yeah. happened and it's still happening true. to people um inside so mm-hmm. anyway um yeah i wanted you to um Maybe uh, bring us up to speed on on some things that are happening, particularly the one about the law about um, licensing. licensing. And and then I want yeah. you to um, I want you to come back and talk about your ten point program. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, it's like oh look at you. I mean, you know, like when we think ten point um, point uh, platform, ten point anything, we think you know the Black Panther Party for self defense. <laughs> Some of us do. Oh, well, Some of us definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah, well, I'm happy to talk. Um, the conversation that we talked about was around AB 2138, and you're absolutely right. We know that in California nearly 8 million people Approximately one in three adults have an arrest or a conviction record. Um, California has a high high rates of conviction and high rates of recidivism in the country. And, um, you know, the prisons are overcrowded. They were built. We had these prisons that were built, and within a short period of time, they were overcrowded from overcapacity. And so we've had a history at least since the 1980s, of people going to jail or prison and then being released and then going back. We have, as I said, one of the highest recidivism rates in the country. Along with that, one of the drivers with that is that people who have had been impacted by the criminal justice system are not able to get employment upon uh, their release because they have a prior conviction. And in California, about 30% of all California jobs require a licensing, certification, or clearance by some oversight board or agency. And we've got about 42 agencies. And it covers approximately, the estimate is 1,773 different occupations. And it ranges from auto mechanics to hairstylists to nursing, um, across the board. And so those 42 agencies have had policies and restrictions on the ability of somebody to get a license if you've got a criminal, if you've had even contact with the criminal justice system. Some of them didn't even necessarily require convictions. Just an arrest was sufficient Uh, that had to be reported and was used to stop people from getting a license. And so that has been a driver of, um, you know, injustice in California. And the law was, there was a law that was passed, it was pressed forward by advocates for um, criminal justice reform in 2018, and it was passed but it was uh, essentially stayed. Some laws pass and they're effective immediately, like we just had Juneteenth, where Joe Biden signed the executive order on, you know, Thursday and then Friday people got off work, right? It was suddenly, it was effective immediately. This law was, through amendments, held up for two years. 
so that it did not go into effect until July of 2020. And But what happened in July of 2020? We were in the midst of COVID. So we know that people were not in a position, and still the implementation of the law has been delayed because everything is behind now. So if you're bringing an application for a license or certification, there's a huge backlog. And so we know that a year later, we're about to be July 2021, this may be the first time that this law will start to take effect. And so this conversation is very timely, that people should know that you can um, now apply. There's been a huge change in the law that now allows people to apply for a license in a profession or occupation that they want to pursue. Yeah, that's, this is this is so important. And um, I don't know, it just makes you wonder why there would be such laws on the books in the first place, um, similar to the laws around or the, uh, the statutes that um, say that Slavery is still legal, you know, for mm-hmm. certain folks in this right. in this uh, state. And then people don't seem to realize that states have constitutions, cities have constitutions, and the federal government has a constitution, and they are not saying the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. They right. don't have to right. agree. This state, the no. California, is like its own country. Yeah, the city exactly. of Oakland is like its own own country. <laughs> the county of Alameda is like its own country. Like, okay, hmm. And yeah. and and so, how do we <laughs> how do we create you know, more of a synergy between these different municipalities that are redistributing the same people over and over again? Right. <laughs> it's like this is right. the same people, right. but yeah. it depends on sort of what pocket that or box we're in, or municipality we're in. It depends on the laws that govern our movement and our our privileges and what we can do and what we can't do. This is true. And, you know, uh, the effort has been made at the state level, which has been very helpful, passing a number of laws that address the inequities in the criminal justice system. Like, mm-hmm. But sometimes it has to start at the county level or the city level and then work its way up. Generally, when it starts at the state level, then you've got to, it's got to work its way down to the county and the city level, and then that's where implementation actually has to happen. It doesn't do us any good to have a law on the books at the state level, which is good, like we've got 2138 now, but it's got to be, people on the ground have to implement it. The county people have to implement it. We've got to have resources at the county level and at the city level to actually make it real for people. Mm. Yeah. Are are the resources in place for this? I don't believe so. (laughs) As we talked about, it wasn't even supposed to be in effect until July of 2020, and then COVID hit. So it's unclear what's happening with the law at this point and how it will be implemented. And so that's why this is so important for you to have this conversation so that people are at least aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it may well have been the implementation has been so delayed, it's gonna, now we have to let people know, hey, this law did get passed and it does apply to you. 
mm-hmm. or to someone yeah. you know who may want to be a nurse or, you know, may now be eligible to get that uh, mechanics license, right, that they were denied mm-hmm. before. Hmm. Wow. So if a person is interested in, um, like maybe they're affected by um, this particular change um, in the law, how would they go about sort of challenging, like they want to get the license and, and let's say, you know, people aren't aware of this and so they're having trouble. Like how do, where do people start around using this new well, not, it's not new. It's a year old now. <laughs> using right. using this um, this AB twenty one thirty eight law to to help facilitate you know their their career goals. Well, um, locally it was sponsored by um, the public defender's office, which is you know a point of contact. All of us are none, which is another point of contact. The San Francisco oh, Lawyers yeah. Committee for Civil Rights. Is another point of contact, uh, the Ella Baker Center and Roots Community oh. Center. And, you know, different nonprofits in the Bay Area all pushed for this. And okay. um, presumably there are now, a, people are now able to contact them. And I know the Lawyers Committee in particular for Civil Rights has a, uh economic development project that may well be able to uh, provide uh, free legal services for someone who needs help with the denial of an application or to present an application because often what you have to do is first be able to present the application and one of the benefits of the law now is that it does improve the um, pro- the procedures by which these applications can be processed and denied or granted um, as well as the revocation process. We've had situations where someone may have had a job and then it popped up as an there was an arrest or a conviction that was decades old and that ended up the person being fired and previously before AB 2038 what 2138 was passed there was very little process by which people could challenge the revocation but there is now a procedure and so even if someone has been had their license revoked by one of these agencies they're required to give you the right to appeal and to explain to you what your appeal rights and what the process is oh that's excellent that's really excellent are you a member of um any of these particular organizations or boards um that you mentioned um i'm i'm thinking you're probably a member of the lawyers uh, Committee for Civil yeah. Rights because you're a civil rights attorney. Yeah, I'm a long-time member of the um, San Francisco Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. I was the interim executive director, and I was the board chair for two terms. Uh, but I'm I'm a member now. I'm moved on because it's important <laughs> that we have new people, and you know everybody is able to participate. I did my about 10 years of service, and and now there are others carrying the ball, but I'm proud to remain a member of the organization, and they do great work. Right, right, and and I know that you are connected to um, the Movement Center, um, Legal Services for Prisons for Children, All of Us Are None, um, yeah, and so 
Um, yes. Yeah, when um, the, the Movement Center opened in Oakland, and you were there, and you said that, you know, you had been an intern. I'm like, what? Like all these yeah. big people coming <laughs> through, like you and um, and Brian Stevenson. I'm like, dang, like that organization has touched so many great lives. I mean, you know, you all just go off and just blow up, like literally yeah. just, just justice and civil rights activism and, you know, for being for the people, which brings us to your 10-point <laughs> program. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Yes. Sure. Um, yes. As uh, When I decided to run for district attorney of Alameda County initially in 2017, we sat down and said, okay, what are the things that we believe need to happen to turn this criminal justice system around? And we developed a 10-point platform, um, which, uh, <laughs> you know, is represents at, at that time some of our best thinking about how we use the power of the district attorney's office to actually provide <laughs> justice in this community and turn some of the injustices around and recognizing how the criminal justice system has impacted black and brown communities and how it's the administration of justice really is part of the foundation of the fabric of the whole community. And so it's not, um, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It touches all of our lives, regardless of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, it touches everything. And so we wanted to try to capture um, the best thinking at that time and the most important things that need to be addressed by this, um, the reform of the criminal justice system. And so we developed a 10-point platform now in in this uh, campaign for an election in June of 2022. We revised it, updated it, and brought it back. And um, I'm particularly proud, and our discussion today goes to point number nine, which is that I commit to fully fund and implement effective reentry programs for returning citizens and assist in removing barriers to employment and education, which is what I want to do as an advocate for AB 2138 and the implementation of it in this community. Um, that I would address ineffective and inequitable criminal justice-related fines and fees. We know that we've privatized our pain and that people are profiting off of the pain of the community where folks may have made a mistake or may have been unfairly convicted. We know that our criminal justice system has often over-criminalized black and brown people, has um, the power of charging and punishment, has been visited upon people unfairly. And so as a district attorney, I want to create institutional support for family reunification and access to housing, job training and opportunities, health care, and, yes, legal services. And that speaks to my background both as a member and 
uh, a leader in the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. I've seen how important those services are, as well as my roots, which do go back to legal services for prisoners with children. I was the first intern um, hired by Ellen Berry back in the day when we were in two little offices in San Francisco. And now you all have a huge building, which I'm so proud of. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. You know, on your website, I want to let people know how they can, you know, be in touch with you and, and, and uh, you know, see what you're up to and also support your um, your bid for um, uh, district attorney for uh, the county of Alameda, uh, Pamela Price, the numeral 4DA.com. And um, I noticed that um, purple is... Um, uh, it has a significance for you, and uh, <laughs> and and then I mentioned initially that um, you know today, June thirtieth, um, the last uh, day in this month, is also an important day for your for your campaign. But I just wanted to read what um, uh, the late uh, Honorable Ronald V. Dellums uh, says about you uh, that you have as a quote. Um, Pamela Price has committed to not prosecute one child as an adult when she is district attorney. She will end the racial disparity in prosecutions and mass incarceration of black and brown people. These times call for courageous and transformative disruptors of systemic racial injustice. Pamela Price is exactly who we need right now as Alameda County District Attorney. And this was, did he say this, um, uh, in May 2018, or yes, he did. Yeah, he said wow. it. Um, wow. Yeah, he did. Shortly before he died, within the last year, he uh, yeah. he called me that little troublemaker. <laughs> I told he called me that little troublemaker, <laughs> and that was before we we all started talking about making good trouble. Ryan Dellum got yeah. that I was. Uh, someone that is committed to justice and committed to um, particularly justice for black and brown people. Um, I've been an activist since I was 13 years old and got arrested in my first civil rights demonstration, as we talked about. And I came up at a time where we absolutely needed um, disruptors of the injustices that were happening to our people. And I just happened to be blessed enough and fortunate enough to be able to get a great education at Yale and then to go to UC Berkeley and get a great education in the law. And I understood, as Ron has often understood, that to whom much is given, much is asked. And we didn't get this blessings. And we don't, you don't get to be in these positions just to be there. You have to be there for, with a purpose and on a mission. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I am part of a national movement of progressive prosecutors who are disrupting the criminal justice system the way that it has been operated and used to the detriment of everyone in the community. And that's so important. And when we say disruptive, it's a way of saying we really have to break the school-to-prison pipeline and we have to break the prison-to-poverty pipeline. And that requires disruption. We will build something new and better, and and that's part of the mission as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, next time we have you on, um, we'll talk about, 
you know, what's happening, um, you know, practically that people need to know about, you know, like AB 2138. And um, um, and then um, I guess I don't know. Do you have any, do you want to say anything about <laughs> Assembly District 18? Do you want to, and then also I want you to talk more about what does it mean? What what do district attorneys do? Um, sure. And, and I know you said that the current one, she's not she's not running, um, uh, O'Malley uh, is not seeking a re-election. How long has she been in that position? 30 years? <laughs> it's like a long time. <laughs> yeah, she's been in the district attorney's office for 30 years. And, and the way that career works, you work your way up. She became chief deputy uh, assistant district attorney under Tom Orloff, who was there for a long, long time. And then she's done the last 10 years as the um, as a district attorney herself. Um, mm-hmm. So this yeah. is the first time in based since the 1940s that we have not had an incumbent run for election when there's going to be a contested election. Um, the practice has been to pass it down, pass it down, pass it down. And uh, it was passed down to Miss O'Malley from Mr. Orloff and was passed down to Mr. Orloff from the guy before him and the guy before him. And when I ran in 2017, I was the first person to run for the seat since 1966. And so what that means, unless you were 21 years old in 1966, you've never voted for a district attorney. That person's name might have appeared on the ballot, but that was the only name on the ballot. Um, So we had to really bring people into the 20th century or the 21st century, as they say, and let folks know that it was, it is an elected position. And you mentioned today it's June 30th. This is our first fundraising deadline. And when we look at progressive uh, prosecutors across the country where they have lost, it's because they've been outspent. And unfortunately, in our electoral politics, money is the name of the game. I say money is the microphone for the message, because unless you're able to raise enough money to get your message out, um, the forces that want to maintain the status quo, they have the money. They don't have to raise it. (laughs) Miss O'Malley had the money. And, you know, people like Tom Orloff were able to give her $10,000 and, Folks are, have been invested in maintaining the status quo, and so that's easy. It's someone, when you're trying to be that disruptor that Ron Dellums called on, you got to raise the money. And so today is our final fundraising deadline day for June 30th. Um, it has been, we've been very successful and very blessed to have support. I'm the only corporate free candidate in the race who is committed not to accept money from law enforcement associations because those police associations have been major funders of district attorney campaigns. We know in 2018 the Fremont Police Department gave Nancy O'Malley $10,000 while she was investigating multiple shootings out of uh, by Fremont police officers, including the president of the union, uh, who was under investigation, and then the union gave her $10,000, and, of course, the president was cleared of any wrongdoing uh, along with his officers. Um, so we have, you know, we got to get money out of politics, and I'm ultimately committed to that, which is why I'm corporate-free, because if you allow corporations to buy seats, 
um, then you are essentially overriding the voice of the people. Uh, we saw that dynamic in the Assembly District 18 race, which you mentioned. We had uh, a couple of corporate free candidates who were challenged to raise the amount of money that they needed to be able to win the election. And then we had one candidate who was able to receive contributions not only from corporations, but from entities, you know, with interest from all over the country, all over the state, as well as being funded uh, substantially by her husband, who happens to be our attorney general. And so the amount of money that we saw flowing into Assembly District 18 for this Assembly District seat is unprecedented. And what we see now and we saw it in the city of Oakland last year in that election, Lyft and Uber and the number, the amount of money that gets is being spent to control our elected officials in Oakland and Alameda County is uh, pretty uh, disturbing, quite frankly, and we should all be paying attention to that. It was disturbing in November of 2020, and if you look at this race, Assembly District 18, that uh, we had the runoff yesterday. There's a lot, a lot of money flowing into our little assembly district. And for those who don't know, Assembly District 18 is um, the bulk of it is Oakland, or the, Oakland is the majority partner in it. It's all of San Leandro, all of Alameda, and most of Oakland. It does not include. Uh, Piedmont or North Oakland, the area north of MacArthur Boulevard, is not part of our district. But that's the bulk of Oakland, and it's a very important seat. It's been historically a seat held by African Americans. Ella Hugh Harris was the assemblyman. Um, Barbara Lee held that seat. So it has Sandra Swanson held that seat. Um, prior to redistricting, it was considered the seat where um, black elect black people could be elected to office from this community, and so it has deep roots as in the African American community. And um, Rob Bonta's election in 2012 was um, he was the first Filipino, I believe, to hold the seat, and so he has obviously vacated the seat as um, the attorney general, but the effort to make uh, his, to have his successor be his wife, Mia Banta, has brought tremendous pressure into the district, and a lot, a lot of money has flowed into this district. But, well, we yeah, let me say this, though. Uh, What's really important <laughs> is that the people get to vote. <laughs> the people yeah. of Assembly District 18 have spoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what the final numbers are because they're still coming in. Um, so we'll see, um, you know, when the official announcement is made. Um, but right at the moment, um, Mia Vanta is winning. <clears throat> She's got the most numbers. So we will have you on again, and uh, and I'm looking forward to that column in the post. <laughs> and yes. and um and in you know good luck on your on your your benchmark you know for fundraising today. Uh, people can go to your website, I'm sure, and um and donate 
Um, it doesn't have to be huge numbers, just just consistent. So, you know, whatever you've got, 5, 10, yes. 15, 20, 100, 1,000, it's all, it all helps. So, folks, um, yeah, I, I, am, I am totally for Pamela Price. <laughs> for district attorney, um, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. I voted for her, you know, back in 2017. Um, she's a great woman, and she's doing some fabulous work. So, anyway, you take good care, and thank you so much, and we'll be in touch and have you on again. All right. Thank you, Miss Wanda. <laughs> you too. You take care. You be safe. All right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Peace and blessings. Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye. Good morning, uh, Olu Eight. Is that is that how I, I should call you now, Shaka? Um, you don't go by Shaka <laughs> yes, anymore, or yes. what? <laughs> can you can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh yeah yeah yeah. You know that's like that's my that's my stage name. That's my company name, Olu Eight. That's that's still me. That's still Shaka Jamal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just love that song you sent, um, sort of reminding us of of the, that important day, you know, June sixteenth, um, nineteen sixty seven, and and the youth uprising. Um, it's really important that we we look at you know these movements, and, uh, and that was a big one in South Africa, sort of really shifted things around the anti-apartheid movement. Similarly, you know. When when the black women you know threw down the past books, it's like like you know when you touch the woman you touch the rock like uh uh-uh, uh this ain't happening <laughs> no more. Um, That's right. Yeah, really, really, really important. So I'm gonna read your bio um, that you sent me, but I was just thinking you know um, wow um, you got a uh, did you get a Grammy or an Oscar? You got something for one of your films I, recently. I. I got a um an Emmy as a Emmy, camera yes, person. Right. Yeah, as a camera person for the for the HBO doc uh about the the MLK oratorical fest. And they named it We We Are the Dream. Uh, the U right. Oratorical Fest. You know that's been going on for decades here in Oakland. Right, yeah, yeah, that's a Wayley, Makeba. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, teacher yes. Yeah, teacher Wayley. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was great beautiful surprise not to only get it but to get it represent open and mm-hmm. uh, you know a piece of a project where i just got a random phone call and i ended up getting the gig putting my all into it marshala ali and his wife mm-hmm. ended up becoming executive producers of the project and we we got that thing mm-hmm. yeah 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 and um and you're also um, an alumnus of um, of Booker T. Washington's uh, Tuskegee uh, Institute. Uh, you and yeah. your mom and your dad, and I don't know who else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, my mom, me and my mom, many cousins. They say my, I say my dad is an honorary um, okay. alumni of Tuskegee. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, he's down there so much, and they're supported so much. I think they, they're probably mm-hmm. going to give him his own and down. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, really, a really important institute, and and also you're an alum of of the uh, film department at at San Francisco State. That's where you got your master's, if I'm not. Yes, um, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was your what was your master's thesis film? My master's thesis film was about Baba Credo Mutwa from South Africa. Uh, really? Who is, you did a film? Yes. On him? I want to yes. see that. 
Because he just became you know an ancestor that, last year. I've only shown that film twice. I showed oh. it once at my thesis showing yes. SF State, and I showed it once for the, the, the International Conference for the Association of Black Psychologists. Other than that, no one else has seen this film. Okay. Is there a reason? <laughs> so, well, there's a couple reasons. One, um, I, you know, as a as an artist, it's it's difficult sometimes to let projects go. And and in my mind, the project wasn't ever finished um, because there was more footage that I wanted to get. But with some of the time and budgetary constraints, what I got is what I got. You know, so a piece of me is the perfectionist of me was like, oh, I'm going to keep getting more footage and then I'm going to really release it. But, you know, maybe it's time for for the world to see what I was able to, you know, get within that film lens as a as a as a film student. Because, you know, I'm this is a, a decade after right now. Mm-hmm. And, okay. uh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe I'll have to have a screening. You do have to have a screening. And you know, yes. and Baba Creda Mutra has passed also. So I know, last year. You know, I know. Rest in paradise to him. And you know, mm-hmm. I always imagine being able to go back and film him again. I just didn't ever get a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to that beautiful space that he created. It's almost like um, a shogbo. You know how the artist went in yes. there to a shogbo and did all those really whimsical kind of. Uh, stories about the Orisha, um, and yeah. and and it's similarly, you know, um, in the space where um, where Baba Amuta, um, you know, created those those really beautiful art spaces and scenes, and it's just like a fairyland kind of kind of experience. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's 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 like, you know, you need someone like to go through it with you. Um, to sort of tell you what the stories or what the images and what the representations are, but you can also just appreciate it and just sort of just let your spirit guide you as well. It's really, really beautiful. And I oh, didn't know. Oh yeah. I it, didn't know who he was until recently, and then I bought some of the books, you know, with the, that have been written, you know, where his stories were gathered. And I've seen some films, yeah. but you know, you are. You know, you're my friend, and and you you just have a whole nother way of telling a story. Like, <laughs> you know, that is just like that's just like Olu Eight, like you know Shaka Jamal, and you know the poet, you know the artist, you know the yogi. I mean, you know the father, the husband, the healer. It's gonna be like so transformative to see what you say <laughs> about him. Give thanks. Yeah, give thanks. If and you know, I got to give a big shout out to um, um, Dr. Wade Nobles. He's the one who actually connected us. And mm-hmm. um, before I know it, I was on a plane to South Africa, you know, mm-hmm. using using yeah. my student loan money to get up out there and shoot that thing. And mm-hmm. and and it happened. And like you said, you get on all those grounds, and you're like, wow. You see the love, the spirit, and the energy he put in not only to the space that that's in Soweto, but also mm-hmm. um, the space um, where he had maybe he has another space about eight hours outside, about eight mm-hmm. hours northwest outside of Johannesburg, um, mm-hmm. where he uh, was currently living, where he was living at that time. 
he did it all over again there. Uh, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see that. I'll see if I can send you a link um, to it. I think I still have a, a private link up on YouTube. Okay, super. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, he was he was persecuted. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, June sixteenth, nineteen seventy six. Maybe you could tell our uh, audience about about that. You know, that historic uh, day in South African history. Um, but you know, it seems like you know. So the whole move seems to be just like to shut down the truth speakers, the truth, the ones who are like disrupting um, or challenging the narrative of a white supremacy and and black inferiority. You know, it's like no, this is our land. You know, like we are the creators. <laughs> like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you got it mixed up. And and a lot of times, you know, the folks that are oppressing black people look just like us too. You know, so it's like, wow. <clears throat> yeah, you know, that's, that's being, being right. a tool or, or an implement of of the uh, of the enemy. Yes, yes, and you know, so we, to, so we have to like. So I'm thinking like your your work is also sort of cautionary. Like, if you don't if you don't fully occupy your body, if you aren't self reflective, you could think you're doing one thing and really be an instrument of a, of, of the of the enemy. So we have to always be checking ourselves, our intentions, you know, our motivations, you know, who's paying us, not necessarily, um, you know, with money, but who's paying us? Like, who, who, you know, who do we care, you know, sort of who thinks, who, you know, sort of like whose opinion matters to us? Because mm-hmm. that guides us as well. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about that. I was watching a, a Instagram post about someone who says, talks about um, sometimes when you're trying to help, sometimes you may cause more problems, especially if you haven't addressed certain issues you have going on internally, emotionally, spiritually, that may be tied to past trauma. And that, you know, the work of our individual self is just as important as the work for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we call ourselves a leader or a healer, uh, we have to make sure that we are leading ourselves and even healing our own individual self uh, properly uh, before we reach that hand out to others. That, that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and I just want to let you know, um, I know I sent some emails late. Uh, I have on the call with me right now um oh. data. Uh, I just nice. called him in. He's on WhatsApp. He's on the on the other line. Um, oh, super! John Dada is on the line right now from South Africa, and he is the artist who, you know, basically takes it all in. He's the the last singer uh, vocalist on the actual song. Say say what's up to him, John Dada. Greetings, greetings, everybody. Much love and respect, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here, especially with you right now, Shaka. I think it's, it's the first time we're linking on the interview, so much love, and, and the conversation's deep. I love what y'all are talking about. Oh, this is so exciting, Dundada. What time is it there? Um, It is quarter to six in the evening. So, yeah, the sun has set. It's winter time. It's It's, it's heading to the night right now. And your side? Oh, it's uh in the morning. It's not. It's uh, about eight fifty almost um, in the morning, and 
It's a little overcast um, here um, where I am, um, where I'm sitting. What's it like over in Oakland, uh, Shaka? Oh, yeah, I've got, um, we got overcast over here, but I think the sun, hopefully the sun will be shining by lunchtime. Oh, yeah, it will be. It will yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, well, now, Donna, since we have you, tell us about Uprising 16, June uh, 1976. People might not know about that day. It's an important day in South African freedom history. Um, talk, talk to us about that day. What happened? Well, it's it's a very historic day in South Africa. It's when the students decided to rebel against the apartheid regime and the learning of Afrikaans within the school system. They were rejecting learning Afrikaans and wanted to learn our own indigenous languages. And they staged the protest, which took place on that fateful day in Soweto, Orlando. And, um, yeah, it turned into a full-on riot. Um, children lost their lives. And it was a monumentous occasion. It's, it's an occasion that, that we mourn as a nation. But it's also something that, you know, in South Africa and in Africa in general, the youth has always been at the forefront of many uprisings. So I think it was also a, a point that you could say was, was a, a turning point in, in the struggle because not too long after that, 1994 came around and um, we have achieved our independence. So even though the, the pain was there, um, we weren't too far away from the goal at that point. Mm-hmm. And and so, were you born then? Were you alive then? Yet, <laughs> when that happened? Um, no, no. That is one year before my birth. Um, I was born in 1987. Um, but you know, uh, the repercussions are still felt um, even up until today. If you go to Soweto, um, there's many monuments that have been risen, especially for for Hector Peterson, which is a youth that was slain. Um, during these riots, I and mean, there's a famous picture of um, the fellow youths running down the road and carrying Hector Peterson's body away as the tear gas and the smoke is flying, and it's, it's quite an emotional picture. So uh, even though I wasn't alive, I, I feel I still feel the, the the pain of the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think at this right, I think I think Hector Peterson uh, was the first youth um, to be killed that day. To be martyred mm. that day, he's almost like the the Christmas addicts of the American Revolution. Mm. You know. Oh wow! And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know who was also you know the first person to be killed in the American Revolution, who was also a black person. And mm-hmm. yeah. you know, for me, there's so many similarities between South African history and the history that we have here in the U.S. and especially Oakland, right? So mm-hmm. these youth who were teenagers leading this this uprising were very similar to the Panthers, who were teenagers mm-hmm. and people in the early 20s leading the revolution here in Oakland, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, we have little Bobby Hutton on this side, you know? Right. So I just, you know, but part of this project is also in this song and this memorialization of this time is, is it's not only just for South Africa, but the unification of uh, black people all around the world and the diaspora and the strong connection we have between Oakland and South Africa. Because, you know, like, play people like Bukani Mawetu were singing protest songs, raising money here in Oakland and the Bay Area, sending the money to South Africa um, to help fight the apartheid government. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I was a member of Okanemawe, too. 
What did you say? I said I was a member of Ukaine Mawetu for over oh, a decade. Oh, you were a member of Ukaine my, my children, My children were raised in at Finn Hall at the rehearsals, and we they did all the marches and all the gigs. And, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I, either I didn't know or, or I forgot about that. And, you know, like... You might not have known. Because, <laughs> yeah, I may not know. And because of that, you know, um, those resources were able to be sent to help support the freedom of South Africa. And mm-hmm. many of the people who, you know, this song is also about these youth and older people who had to leave South Africa uh, and seek asylum in other places because they became marked people Mm. Uh, because many people were tortured, brutalized, and killed because they were fighting for their freedom. And many of those people ended up here in Oakland in the Bay Area. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, brothers like um, Tilavali, Chavase, and uh, Brother Opa, them from the ANC and the PAC, so you know, this was just like you know, it, it, it was something for me. It just, it just, it just had to be done, and this was just the perfect timing. And brother MXO, uh, you know, um, the Afro soul, Afro funk pioneer with Roots 2000 linked us with Don Dada. It was like, yo, Don Dada has to be on this track, and <laughs> mm-hmm. came on there, and both those brothers uh, represented. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Dondada, um, tell us um sort of about how how you and Shaka and um MXO sort of pulled this together, um, you know, the the music, the lyricism, the, the language you're singing in multiple languages. Um, yeah. Well, I like to believe that, that uh music is always a natural process and I think that's exactly what happened with this song. Um, Shaka and um, MXO, the legend, they met in studio and then they came up with the, the idea. I was, I really came in, um, you could say towards the tail end, I, I got it when the idea was already formulated. And um, the way I was presented it was, um, I was told that, look, write some lyrics that resonate with you, that, that you think the youth are going through right now. What is, what is the message that you would love to give to the youth? And um, so that's that's the direction that I took when I started writing my music because I started looking at all the situations. I do work with the city of Joburg on uh, moral regeneration programs. I'm trying to Mm. educate the youth on a lot of different aspects. So these are the little things that I put into my verse. And um, South Africa is such a a diverse place. We have 11 official languages, and I'm pretty sure like 20 more unofficial dialects of those (laughs) languages. So <laughs> when people just do music in, in, in whatever language it is, it's never a problem because we, we, we always have a, a way of connecting with each other. I think the feeling of the music will always come through. And that's a, a timeless song when you talk about um, the youth uprising. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shaka, um, I know you, um, you, I think you, you recite a poem in there. Oh, well, that's, um, no, actually, you're talking about in the very beginning? Um, is it in the very beginning? You tell me. Well, <laughs> there we actually have a quote in the very beginning um, mm-hmm. by Chris Heine, um, oh, you know, really? who's one of the ah. great, great yes. revolutionaries um, uh, of South Africa, who was, you know, life was taken away. He was assassinated. I think in 1993, mm-hmm. who was also a good friend of um, Tilavali, 
And, you know, many people oh. thought he would become president of South Africa one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, you know, this was also a dedication to bring his word and power to light. Um, but I have the second verse on this particular song, um, mm-hmm. which ends with, you know, we bow down to ancestors and never to oppressors. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, one day I think I was talking to MXO and just like, yo, man, got to make this song. And he went straight and put together the choir. So that's him leading the choir on all the verses, I mean, on mm-hmm. all the choruses. And he also um, has a verse on there. And then we pulled in this young um, Tonga uh, producer and rapper from out of um, Limpopo you know, the northern mm. province of South Africa who pulled together the beat and also pulled together another um, song artist, Lady Presh. It's Sign Free and Lady Presh who are representing um, that aspect of, of South Africa. But definitely couldn't have done it without Sign Free. That that young brother is talented, talented. Mm. He, he came with that rhythm that's, that's keeping us moving. And he's the first one who comes right out the gate rapping in um, Tonga in English. And look, I think we have MXO on the line. MXO, are you there? Greetings, greetings. Greetings, everybody. Oh, great. Oh, great to have you with us. Yes, I am. So talk to us about 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 this wonderful song. Uh, uh Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. In, uh, to stand in the Eastern Cape, so the you know the network is not always sharp. Uh, we can hear you. Yeah, though. so there's some. I, I couldn't hear what you were, what you were asking. Oh, can you talk to us about the track a little bit? In your role. Oh yes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so the track is a musical medicine. You know, uh, we put together with my brother Olu A. Chuck. Uh, in Oakland, um, you know, which is we have a, a, a long-standing relationship. Uh, my distant cousin, my brother there, uh, Shaka, we've, we've known each other since 2000. So we've been working on a different project for 2000 until we linked up, um, you know, and uh, he came with an idea that he want to commemorate uh, the June 16 uprising on what was going on in South Africa where students, um, we're fighting against the system, and uh, they were just, you know, wanted justice and their rights, and they were fighting against um, following the oppressors' um, norms and culture and, and language. So there was lots of uh, kids that died on that day, and it was so significant that, uh, you know, we had to put in a team together. Um, the first people... Uh, you know, I had in mind was Don Dada. Don Dada, you know, is an amazing artist, uh, a, reggae, a reggae artist um, here in South Africa and, 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 and the world. And uh, we had Simfri, uh, we had Niwa. Niwa is um, from Tanzania, but he's here in South Africa. Zambia. So he's, we've done, uh, from Zambia, yeah. We've done a couple of work with him. And uh, did I, I forget to mention, Chuck, there. Um, the lady, Lady Fresh. Uh, lady Fresh. Yeah, Lady Fresh. 
so yeah, it was a pleasure and splendor, you know, and uh, in, in South Africa now, uh, you know, lo- looking at it, that's why, you know, the media, everyone is, is just dumping on, 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 onto the song because nobody this year, everyone is just, uh, you know, the coronavirus just took over everything, you know, the main focus. So uh, people have kind of forgotten of the other ills the society. And now everyone is just trying to recover from this COVID thing. And, you know, uh, I think, Shaka, for you to bring this in is just saying, hey, although we're still dealing with the same with the situation of the COVID, let's not forget, um, you know, the, the, the struggle that, uh, you know, our people are still fighting also. Yo, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, um, Shaka, you said you have to leave at 9, but I was just thinking, um, if you have a few more minutes. I can go a little bit uh, more. I'm texting folks now. Let them know I'm going to run a little late. So no worries. Let's let's do our thing. Oh, okay, cool. But I was just thinking, um, you know, uh, Uprising, uh, 16 June 1976 is, um, it's, it's sort of really, um, and you were talking about the the synergy between, you know, South Africa and Oakland, Johannesburg and Oakland. And I was thinking about 2020 and the uprising in the United States around, you know, um, that George Floyd was killed. And then yep. now, you know, we have a conviction, you know, the person who killed him, you know, um, he gets 20-something years and uh, there's a 20 again, right? <laughs> and then and then we have uh, Juneteenth is is a new federal holiday and it goes into effect this Juneteenth when – um, uh, James Weldon Johnson would have been 150, you know, on the 17th, and then Juneteenth is, you know, the 19th. Um, you know, Freedom Day for Black folks, um, we know is symbolic, but <laughs> you know, all of that stuff happening in June. This is like kind of just perfect that you have uprising, you know, sort of being released in this period of of of. Um, you know, people sort of standing, you know, for what they believe and taking back their agency, black people, that is. That's right. And it's important in young people. You know, that's a large part mm-hmm. of the yes. truth that we have yes. to recognize that young people have been at on the front line of most, if not all, of our revolutionary movement. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think yeah. many young people forget today that, yes, those are teenagers those were junior high schoolers and high schoolers out there in 1976 during the Soweto uprising. The Panthers were, were teenagers, right? The SCLC, all those folks coming together, PAC, a lot of them were, were, were young people. Yes, there were people in the heads of those organizations many times running things, but the young people were on the front line. And um, we have big influence, and there's just so many distractions right now. Um, so this was also a, a beacon and a call out to yet let the young folks know that the that the power is yours, and we can exercise mm-hmm. it however we we need to for our own personal and people's liberation. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And the whole idea of memory. Maybe maybe you all could talk about memory and remembrance and ancestors. Like we have to remember. Yes. Yes, definitely. We gotta remember them, we gotta call out call out their name. 
and we have to honor them through ceremony, our ritual, through our songs. And this is one of the gifts that uh, we have here with all of us who united on this this project. Um, mm-hmm. We have the, the, the gift of music. And it was about 11 different artists or, or so who came together to put this project together, from the writers, the, the vocalists, the musicians, live bass with Sonny Boy. We had a brother from Nigeria on, on, on guitar. We had four people from our choir, our fire choir, you know, along with Don Dada, Emic Soul, Sign Free, Lady Press, and Yiwa, and myself, and Mark, who helped us. Mark. Mark yeah. Watson, who helped us uh, arrange and engineer and produce aspects of the song. It took a lot of us to, to make this happen. And I think that's the key part is that, you know, everyone gets a chance to shine on here, but when we come together, you know, on the Roots 2000, I yeah, Africa such a song, we say, you know, fingers are weak, but the fist is strong. And I really think this this is a a uh, project is a is a piece of that, is a representation of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to um talk about sort of um the plans for um for this particular um song and uh, how it's how it's been received in South Africa? Like, is it getting a lot of airplay? Like, what's happening? Oh, well, to tell you the truth, well, right now what we did, the first thing we did, because we were in a tight, tight time crunch, what we first did, um, well, right now was going on also in South Africa, there's a lot of power outages going on now. So we wanted the song done a week before the 16th, but the power outages kind of didn't allow us to release till that day. So we signed up for a band camp account. You know, they have an office right here in Oakland downtown, which allowed the song to go live internationally all around the world. At Bandcamp, people can download the song and pay us directly um, for the art. And they can pay whatever amount that they like, right? Um, so right now, it's, it's active right now at Olu, H-O-L-U, uh, number eight, dot bandcamp.com. That's olu8.bandcamp.com, and you can go and download the song right now, all right? And it's also available as of last week, Friday, all streaming outlets all over the world, iTunes, Spotify, um, Deezer, uh, iHeartMusic, anything, any of those other platforms um, are, are ready. So our plan is also to have it available uh, on all everyone's phones throughout Africa, whether they have MTN or Vodacom. They can download um, the song and ringtones through um, their phone using the airtime. All right? We are also have been getting some serious radio play in South Africa. Um, Mshobo Wanane, which is one of the biggest radio stations in South Africa, is playing it. Mungano Lonane, which is probably the biggest radio station in the northern province of Limpopo area is playing the song. Alex FM um, within Alexandria is playing the song. So we have a handful of stations that are already playing it, probably about four or five stations right now actually playing it, and it's actually growing. So we're getting a lot of love here in Oakland and the Bay Area uh, through the downloads on, on this side on, uh, with, through Bandcamp. 
but the South African radio stations are feeling it. And hopefully, you know, we're we're even in South Africa as artists, we're spread apart in different parts of South Africa. But we're hoping we can shoot a music video. Um, oh. And and if not, maybe put together an animated music video. Um, mm. But we got to have some type of visual representation. So I think that's the next step to get some type of visual representation of the song um, mm-hmm. to give it more legs and to and to push it out there. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. I was wondering, you know, when Roots 2000 um, came out here to Oakland, um, were these two men um, the ones that were here? MXO and Slick Angel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. MXO, who's featured on the song, is also part of um, Roots 2000. Uh, Slick isn't on this song, but MXO is uh, on this song. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool, yeah. So if you all have any closing remarks, um, you know, please feel free, you know, to share, um, you know, like what's happening on the ground there where you are presently, um, uh, you know, any way we could support, you know, your work um, outside of this collective work that you're doing. Yeah, hey, don't, don't doubt it. Let them know where they can find you and hear your music and any last words for them. Um, okay, so if you guys want to find me, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It does not matter. Uh, my name is Don Dada Music. That's D-O-N-D-A-D-A-M-U-S-I-C. No spaces, no nothing. That's how you find me. I've just released um, a new song as well with with the artist from Mexico, Ja Fabio, called uh, Big Daddy, a.k.a. Papi Grande. That's, that's a beautiful song right now. I'm also pushing my album, Akebulan, through the Tough Gong International links. So have a look at their website, and you'll catch my video, Jai is Good, on the Tough Gong TV sites as well. And, you know, new work's coming out soon. And inspiration to all of you guys, um, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the, the situation is that you may be facing, never give up the fight because everything you need to win is inside of you. I started with the pen and the paper, and if anything happens in my career, I go back to the pen and the paper. Never lose sight of where you began. Much love and respect, everybody. Uh, Thank you so much, Dondada. You see, Dondada got the energy. (laughs) Hey, and I tell you, I've been listening to his music because I'm just meeting Mm -hmm. him. He is one of the most diverse artists that I've heard in terms of him mm-hmm. being able to to do different reggae and dancehall styles and to be able to mm-hmm. rap seamlessly all throughout, you know, this y'all gotta y'all definitely gotta check out his music. You're, you're gonna be feeling yeah. you know, especially you, my life. especially for the big reggae community we have here in Oakland in the Bay Area. Y'all mm-hmm. y'all are y'all can y'all need to listen to that Don Dada now. We need, okay. we need to bring them out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank need, you. We need to bring them out to Reggae on the River once things all start coming back together. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Well, Shaka, send me some, oh, send man, me some that, music. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you, um, um, Sister Wanda. I'll send you a link to his music. Okay, that'd be super. Yeah, because I I could totally play some of it. Oh wow, I'm really looking forward to learning more about your your um. Your your um uh, your canon, you know your um you know your body of work, Dandada. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Uh, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Really, really has been. And uh, thank you very much, Shaka. You know, you, you've been very educational throughout this interview. Uh, you told me a lot about the history of Oakland that I didn't know about. And um, you also mentioned uh, the, the leaders of ANC and PAC, that side of the world, which I think is very important. A lot of people back home forget about it. So thank you for bringing up the legends and the ancestors that, that a lot of people don't speak about. Thank you, my king. Give thanks, my brother. Always, always good. Is um is MXO still with us? You know, I tried to call him back, but we lost him on the reception. Okay. Do you want to give his contact information? Yeah. Okay. So you can follow MXO at on Instagram, the real MXO T H E R E A L M X O on Instagram and on Twitter and and also on Facebook. He actually has a new single out right now with uh, a young artist called Yanga Chief, who is the 2020 South African Musical Award Best Hip Hop Artist, uh, and mm. it's called Toha. It's T O R H A, and that one is available for right now exclusively on Bandcamp at mxomusic.bandcamp.com. That's mxomusic. Dot bandcap.com and that song is fire and it's all about the dedication to the hard-working men who sacrifice for their families and for themselves um, to uplift themselves and their, their families it's called Toha mm. Toha oh, that sounds beautiful wow yeah and I, I'll, okay. I'll send you a link for that one too that one is fire <laughs> okay and uh, and Shaka, um, what about you? Me. Well, once again, you can find um, me at um, olu8.bandcamp.com. Um, you can also find me at olu8films uh, on Instagram and Shaka Jamal on Instagram also. You know, a lot of folks know me as Shaka Jamal, but usually when I get in front of the mic, it's been, you know, Olu8, you know, at least, when I've been doing a lot of the work, you know, as a member of Hairdo, uh, Black Ace Music, and also doing work with uh, Roots 2000, I've been known as uh, Olu8, doing a lot of the work uh, either as a duo or behind the scenes. But this uprising is really like my first presentation as a solo artist. Even though I have so many features on this one, this is like my first step out um, as a, as a solo artist in the first release, and it's you know it's 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 feeling good, um, and just it wasn't forced. It's just something that spirit came and just woke me up, and I just started making phone calls, and I'm just it's just a blessing that everything was able to come together right on June 16th, and to be here with you um, today, it's 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 all it's always good. I know you've been there and been. Uh, supporting uh, my work since early 2000s when I first got back from South Africa, um, you know, with Death of Tarzan. And yeah. it's just it's good to be <laughs> able to continue to, to work with you, uh, your talented daughter, uh, uh, you know, who's a mother now, you know. So congratulations to you as a, as a grandmother with your growing family. It's, it's just, you know, it's good to be able to just do this uh, with friends and, and, and family, but also, you know, through the arts, 
and let that all still be able to stay in balance. So it's, I just want to thank you and just let you know this is, this is a blessing. Oh, well, you're welcome. And, you know, I, I was really appreciative to get the text. Like, of course, let's do something. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so I'm going to play this song because people are like, well, let us hear it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, play that, play that song for them. Run that rhythm. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> I knew that uh, nothing would stop us from marching forward to freedom. freedom, freedom. Peace to the berry, married to struggle, keeping it steady, gotta stay ready. Losing humanity, war is a racist, causing insanity, look at they faces. Wanna erase this from the beginning, our duty to fight it, our duty to win it. Nothing can stop us, we live in our destiny, spitting these lyrics and singing our melody. 160676, world life, heart, six stones and bricks. Township blues, no counterfeit, apartheid rules won't ever fit. Crucial be our conflict, people be our conscience. We bow down to ancestors and never to oppress. Searching for images, building our energy, leaving the legacy, doing it steadily. Fighting the enemies, brutal mentality, know that the scale of me, spiritual weapon. Throwing them rocks, we're ready to walk, we've been on the block, we're taking the shots. Spending in mountains, bathing in hair, spending them books, they're filling with lies. Open our eyes, they take and take our life on the line, no compromise. No compromise. Stars line seed in your eye. Break the chain and let it off the ground Let the freedom start within your mind And when they shut it down, let the branches out Rough time, make the diamond shine Even though they make you run around Get it back around and let it off the ground Run, run and go, take the world and never look back When they drag you down Your energy's what the world needs When it spins round, get your proceeds Know your worth and never charge less The world coming for you when you dark skin The times now, there's no debate in the past Future inside, come alive it's Charlo Chonse Chesu. It's Charlo Chonse Chesu. If you have a Pokion Se Chesu. If you have a Pokion Se Chesu. It's Charlo Chonse Chesu. It's Charlo Chonse Chesu. It's Charlo Fighting for justice. Students are striking. The country was crying. People colliding. The cops are denying. My people from striving. I've always been a good one. Equality. But it's a shame we had to lose the soul for victory. I'm coming to Bamura Falandena. I'm not going to be able to do 
African Solidarity Week. Um, anyway, yes, it was yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and so um, yeah, I think yeah. Didn't you all sing? Did you do something live right there? We <laughs> probably probably did. Yes, we probably did. We did so much during <laughs> that time. Yeah, yeah, and then we we sort of marched a little bit and had drumming and it was nice. Uh yeah, it was very nice. Remembering our ancestors had had a lib- had libations. It was it was really great. Yeah, I, I think it happened last year too, but I, I didn't go last year but I, I was there for um oh maybe it was last year. I can't remember now. Two thousand twenty is kinda like was it two thousand nineteen or two thousand twenty? I get kinda mixed up. Was it two thousand twenty that you all um uh uh, Roots 2000 was here, or was it 2019? Yes. I, I don't. Uh, both, because they were 2019, and then that February of 2020. Mm-hmm. So they actually okay. that last time they were here was right before the the, the quarantine, a month before okay. the quarantine. Okay, so I did meet you all, meet them last year. Then okay, all right, cool. Okay, so are you still doing uh, yoga? Yes, still still doing yoga. I'm actually going to be going off to teach a private class and right off right after we get off the phone. Um mm-hmm. there's been a a family of youth that I've been teaching online on Zoom throughout for their homeschooling mm-hmm. throughout the entire quarantine. Um mm-hmm. uh and I've um I haven't been doing too many public classes in in large groups, but that's definitely mm-hmm. going to be getting started again. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, keep me posted so I can let people know. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the practice really, really, I'm sure, helps folks, um, you know, during this time to uh, to stay centered and stay grounded. And, and you know what, I, I must tell you that um, I've been doing, you know, more private work with people, um, mm-hmm. but I must tell you throughout this past year I've gotten more calls to do yoga than any other time, the yoga and the meditation. And yeah. I think that, you know, the quarantine, for one, has done a couple of things. I think people have a renewed perspective of what it is and what it takes to take care of themselves. That mm-hmm. self-care and the care of the family is so important because I think we got a chance to slow down and just not be mm-hmm. in this, you know this 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 Western grind of just working, 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 working till we don't have any anything else to give. And I also think the other aspect is the quarantine has also put a lot of stress on us emotionally, spiritually, and economically, where mm-hmm. it's come to our mental health and our emotional health has come to the forefront. People are like, oh. I'm feeling this thing now. I might not have been feeling it before, but, yo, I'm feeling it, and I need to step into another type of space to help handle all of this. So I just, you know, I'm just humbled by the calls that I'm getting um, for support throughout this time. And, you know, it's even been a challenge for me. So I see other people's challenges and successes in the mental health and emotional and physical health I see that in myself also. So when I get the request of like, okay, I get a chance to interact with the mirror to myself and be able to not only 
uplift myself but uplift others at the same time. Right. That that's really important and that's that's really beautiful when, when the process is recipro- reciprocal. Like, you know, as you help others reflect, you're reflecting, you're reflecting off of each other. Yes. And you know, and to just bring it all the way back around to Baba Credo Mutua, when yes. I spoke to him and was able to mm-hmm. interview him, he says as a healer, when he goes to visit people or people come to visit him, he doesn't ask them how are you doing? How are you feeling? He says, mm-hmm. he, they always say, how are we feeling? How are yeah. we doing? Mm-hmm. And he says that prevents the separation. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the separation at times in our own minds or externally is what causes a dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Or... Or, you know, kind of a, a, a rupture in the force and the energy and the ashe, um, in the spirit, in the moya. So that's one thing that I really remember. He says, how are, how, how are we doing today? How are we feeling today? And mm-hmm. it lets people know that they are not alone and that it lets even our inner spirit know that we are not alone on this journey. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna start saying it like that. How are we doing today? How are we feeling? Ooh, today? Hey, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep. I like you that. throw that off to somebody and they're gonna look like, huh? Mhm. You know? It's deep. Yeah. Just that one one word just it it's it's a paradigm shift. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a time of isolation, all, all automatically you're not alone. Just just in the it's just in the that one word. That's right. Yeah, and and I'm sure it it changes everything. It does. Hmm. It does. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm say it to my kids today and I see what they say. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Thank, thank you for I'll this. I'll let reminder. you know when I. Yeah, yeah. This has been really lovely speaking to you. It's always, it's always beautiful. It's always Definitely. beautiful. So, Aye Africa. Yes. Peace and Yep. Darkness to light We are mountains Green and 
voices of the people made into one. Adversity survives no more, all hope is restored. Come into my home when winds are too strong. Bask in the warmth of the Kayalit. Every feel of the true nature of an African spirit. I am because we are all can feel it. Can sour into sweet, delicate blues. Yeah, yeah, Perspective of someone who is enslaved or recently enslaved. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Do you do you know about that one? No, I don't know about a poem. You know, he wrote a speech. What to the American slave oh, is the of your life? Yes, yes, yeah, that's yes, what I was yes. referencing. Not a poem. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what to the slave? Mm-hmm. I mean, and in that one right there, that kind of really really sums it up that we might be celebrating freedom, but are are all of us really free? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you were referenced Juneteenth before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's now a recognized holiday. But someone said, why aren't we recognizing the real day that black people were enslaved from from, uh, from bondage here? You know, why, why is Juneteenth the day that was chosen? And then also, how significant is it without real reparations mm-hmm. and real apology about what happened? You know, reparations, yes, it's it's about money, it's about land and resources and being able for our people to chart a new path with with with, with new uh, resources that we were formerly denied. But also this shaman I heard say, you know, true reconciliation and atonement, when that happens, the person who has offended the other person or group of people they actually become closer after that. That's when true reconciliation and atonement happens. Other than that, people are kind of just kind of tolerating each other. So for me, it's just kind of like a symbolic gesture, but it doesn't have a lot of weight to it and with, with the reality of what we're dealing with. And um, I think Frederick Douglass would have fought for reparations. If he was alive right now, he'd be like, yes, we are, we are all reparations. Uh, but yet, at the same time, we shouldn't we shouldn't wait for it or feel like we have to beg for it, um, because we have a lot within us. And even though we have built things and they've taken it away, just like um, the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre, um, we can rebuild again, and we can also repatriate um, to 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 Africa to gain a different perspective. And as someone who has lived in Africa. I must say every black person must do that at least once to get that different perspective because many times we think the world that we're living in is the only world that exists, and it's really not like that. And um, mm-hmm. our, my goal through the, the, the music, the art, the film, and all of the work is to open up different perspectives and worlds to us for our own um, self and group liberation. So, you know, this day people will be celebrating, but, you know, for me it's just it's, it's another day. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 a, it's another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you speak about reparations, I was just thinking just now um, with your work with um, – uh, the um the group um two thousand what's what's the group called Rules um, two thousand Rules two thousand right uh and in your you know your current release sort of remembering you know the young ancestors who gave their lives for liberation um and in this one here um, that we just played um Aye Africa it's it's a way of of um, mending the breach 
Yes, yes. Because you know, because yes. we have to do that. You know, we are the ones that need to come back together. I mean, it's not a, it's the money is is definitely important for our ancestors who worked for free to build this nation and all of the Western Western nations. Um, and then, you know, by extension, the world. Like, the world is what it is because of our our ancestors. But the true uh, uh, the true healing, you know, the the repairing of the breach, that's something we have to do, and that's what you're doing yes. with the art. Yes. That's what the brothers, uh, you know, and the sisters and your whole, you know, the group, you know, made that song. That's, that's, that's an intentional repair. Yes. Definitely. I, I say in one of the reps I had before, uh, we bridge in the gap that Willie Lynch broke. Mm, nice, nice. Right? Nice. So, yeah. yeah, we got to do that work on our own. We can't sit there waiting uh, with our hands out because it's clearly these people's intentions. Um, they don't They don't have the same intentions for us that we have for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we, have, we we cannot sit around and wait. Uh, for them to do the work for us or to hand things to us. We, we have to put it in for ourselves and learn from the past, um, take the best of that and move forward, Sankofa. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, because, you know, we can't wait. <laughs> yeah, we that's right. We can't wait. This is, this is something that we have to have, any, we have to take initiative on. <clears throat> Otherwise, that's it will right. not happen. We 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 can see that it won't happen. <laughs> it has not happened. That, that is right. Yeah, five hundred years is not happening. You know, like okay, so we have a holiday, whatever. Uh, that's not about the healing. That's not about men. Hey, the gap. And somebody and somebody also told me it's like it's a holiday that represents our liberation from when we were enslaved, but our oppressors are getting the day off too. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, is it really for us? <laughs> hey, come on hey. now. Okay. Uh, unless, hey, well, you know, all, it, it, they they could use it as a teaching. You know, maybe some, you know, some folks that are trying to um uh <clears throat> to to you know do some self reflection. Maybe they'll start a teaching for next year. Uh, White folks get I together. So. People get together and learn about you know African liberation. <clears throat> and how I they hope, can support I hope, that. I hope so. <laughs> well, and I, now I really got to run right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this ten o'clock yoga class. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> I, mean, I had to send some texts, but I'm gonna I'm gonna run to East Oakland and um, do a private yoga class. But I really got to thank you, honor you, appreciate you for this, and I think, and I know that even the work that you're doing. It's bridging the gap that Willie Lynch broke, and we need that. And, you know, as soon as you send me a copy of this, I'm going to post it and let people hear this because um, this is a part of our liberation. Uh, on its way. <laughs> All right. Give thanks for that. Give thanks to you. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. You take good care. All right. Stay well. Mm-hmm. Peace and blessings. Bala suayo
Welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are so excited to have Shaka Jamal joining us, um, having this yes, special yes. broadcast. Yes. <laughs> and and yes, I thanks. really like it. Um, Yes, really great always to hear from you. Um, you're going to be talking to us about the, uh, the Black History Month cultural exchange featuring South African artist Roots 2000. Um, and, yes. and who are Roots 2000? Roots 2000 uh, are a duo consisting of Nkolisi Lakwe and Ndiko Lele Mbali, who are from the Eastern Cape. You know, that's the the land where Nelson Mandela comes from. And Mm -hmm. um, they met around the year 2000 in Johannesburg uh, as they were leaving the Eastern Cape, coming to the City of Gold to fulfill their dreams um, to be musicians. And uh, they play guitar, harmonica, and they sing a a style that they coined um, Afro Soul, which um, Mm -hmm. they are the South African pioneers of. Nice, yeah. You had an opportunity to watch some of your wonderful videos of them performing. Everybody was so excited. After the concert ended, people were still singing. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was a, a recent um, performance that uh, we did in Mozambique at a something called the Mozambique Music Meeting where they bring in booking agents, festival runners from all over Africa and Europe, and artists get a chance to perform right in front of them. And the crowd mm. sang the song, which is the song Aye Africa, which is our new single that we're um, going to be dropping, hopefully in all digital outlets within the next two to three weeks. And you can also find it right now. You can download it for free at roots2000music.com. And they actually sang the chorus of the song for about four or five minutes after they got off the stage. So it was was an encore that continued well after the show into the hallways Mm -hmm. of the venue. So, yeah, that was a beautiful moment. I was glad we were able to capture that on on video. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. And and you're um, a culturally innovative artist and filmmaker from Oakland, California, and your experience as filmmaker, director, cinematographer, editor, writer, performing artist, and music producer bring <clears throat> a distinctive and invaluable perspective to any venture. Um, you search for stories that reveal the unseen scars of everyday people and strive to reveal how that pain is transformed into a motivating force in their lives. Uh, mm-hmm. your search, you search for stories of unification rather than division, yet still allow room for the bitterness of hardship to resonate as a beautiful truth. Uh, you're a graduate of Tuskegee University. <laughs> yes, you're yes. you're uh, what do you call a legacy student, right? Like your mother and your father and maybe other ancestors. My, my, uh, <laughs> my, 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 my mother went and uh, cousins and yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a legacy. Right. That's so cool. Yeah, because that's, 
That's Booker T. Washington and um, George Washington Carver. George Washington. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had yeah, a chance they, to visit left. Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. And the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a serious legacy down there. When you step onto the grounds of that university, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And so, yeah, and, and there at Tuskegee, you earned a B.A. in history, and you received a Master's yeah. of Fine Arts in Cinema at San Francisco State University. Uh, your passion yeah. is working with youth at grassroots level, guiding them on expressive paths of self-realization through media, through multimedia and indigenous wisdom. Uh, let's see. Um, you also um, received, um, let's see, oh, no, wait a second. Um, you are the first filmmaker from Oakland, California, to receive the Game Changers Fellowship, which led you to premiere a series of short documentaries in New York at Harlem's Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. And your work has premiered yes. both nationally and internationally on television and numerous film festivals. And your website is olu8.com. So tell us about mm -hmm. um, how, because I, I think your tagline was something about bringing humanity through the arts or something like that. Anyway, sort of Dr. Wade Nobles talks about how it's all about being human, right? And that's one thing that people of African descent, African people, have remained human despite you know, all of these different historic um, tributaries that we've gone through spiritually. So I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, sort of your art making, particularly, you know, around the um, visual arts and, 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 and the consistency around, you know, the beauty that comes through the art, you know, that you make of our people. Yes, you know, that, that tagline... Um you know, powering humanity through film. Mm -hmm, my, yeah. my, my goal is really for us to be able to see ourselves through the film, right? Mm -hmm. For even for me to see aspects of myself within the film with, with all of my uh, flaws, but with all of my greatness also. And I, I want that to be seen by the audience also so that they are inspired by what they see, by what they hear, but it also becomes humbling to, to know that we are all human, we all make mistakes, but we all have the opportunity to get back up and to do it again even even greater. And a lot of my work um, has dealt with revealing these stories of people from Oakland, like the particular fellowship with Game Changers. Part of the fellowship was to tell stories about black men in Oakland that aren't recognized by mainstream media and society. And um, that actually led to being screened at, at the Schomburg. And for me, as a person who's raised in Oakland since I was in elementary school, it even opened up my eyes. I said, oh, these are people out here doing this work? Like, I thought I knew Oakland. But I was actually able to walk through doors that I didn't even know existed and see the impact that these black men were making here in Oakland. One of them was actually um, 1968 gold medal Olympian Tommy Smith, you know, the brother who put his fist up along with John Carlos 
at the mm-hmm. Mexico Olympics, who actually has a program here in Oakland that teaches kids track and field, teach them how to empower themselves, right at McClyman's High School, and I didn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. Got a chance to meet that, that legendary man and have an interview with him. Uh, another one was about um, Reginald Savage, who's the the chair of the yeah. dance department at o- Oakland School of the Arts, right, who's doing some, mm-hmm. some beautiful work over there. And uh, also one was one of the acrobatic dunkers for the Warriors, uh, Jesus mm-hmm. L. And uh, the free classes, acrobatic classes he's giving to young young people here in Oakland, you know, as he pursues his own dream. So, that, that you know, stories like that, you can say, I didn't even know that existed. You know, that, those are the type of stories that I'm looking for um, that can bring inspiration to our people. Right, yeah, yeah. And and so how how did you happen to um, uh, meet these brothers, um, these, these artists in, in South Africa? And, and it's really oh. interesting, um, the IA Africa Roots 2000 um, logo is Africa turned upside down. And that's really interesting. It looks, it's pretty cool. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know these artists and and this logo <laughs> and um uh, and the music and 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 this tour which I'm really excited about well it's a, it's a great story i i was originally um like we talked about i went to Tuskegee University and yeah. my junior year i had decided that i didn't want to get a 9 to 5 I knew that with my history degree, I was going to need to go to school even longer. And I, I knew I needed to do something a little different. And I walked into the history department on the wall. They say, do you love travel and education and everything like that? And it was a Peace Corps little postcard. It said, fill this out to send you the information. A year later, going back and forth for interviews, and a month after I graduated, they sent me a letter in the mail and said, you have 10 days to say yes or no. You've been chosen to go to South Africa. Oh. So I called one of my South African friends who lived here in Oakland who worked with my mom, Tilavali Chivashi. Yeah. I was like, should I go? I was like, should I go? He was like, hell yeah, you should go. So three <laughs> months after after graduating from Tuskegee, I was in South Africa in the Peace Corps in the Limpopo province as a community resource volunteer and doing curriculum work in primary schools, HIV, AIDS, and malaria education, as as well as library development. And um, I had a a, a girlfriend that used to take me to Johannesburg and show me everything that they had. You know, they called Johannesburg the city of gold. And this would be a serious trip. You know, sometimes it, it could take up to seven to nine hours. Um, to travel from the northern province Limpopo down to Johannesburg. And there used to be this place called Monday Blues. It was an open mic um, that they did every Monday night. And we went to this place. And there I saw these two guys up there killing it on the microphone, right? Mm -hmm. Just two guys, a guitar and a harmonica, singing their hearts out. And around that time I started doing my first recordings, and I had always done some writing. And I was like, one day I'm going to work with these guys. Hmm. And 
there was another brother from L.A. who actually lives here in Oakland, Adimu Majun, who was also in the, in the Peace Corps that I had met around that same time. Um, we finished the Peace Corps. I came back here to Oakland on Ninth and Peralta. In the bottoms, I learned how to edit film. And after that year, we decided to go back to South Africa for just two-week vacation just to reconnect with our people. But I was like, yo, we got to connect with these cats called Roots 2000. They, they, they're on our type of vibe. And we get there, and we see one of them, um, Slick Angel, uh, and Deke Lolele walking down the street. And I said, there he goes. And we met him, ended up meeting um, Colise, or they call him MXO. And that mm-hmm. two-week vacation ended up being a whole year in South Africa. Oh. Right? Wow. And um, worked on my uh, first documentary, got music on the documentary uh, called Kola Kodeni, which is about um, male circumcision ceremonies in contemporary Africa. Um, Worked on albums with these guys, shot my first three, four music videos. And that was, you know, in my my mid-20s, and it was um, some pretty formative in terms of launching my career as a filmmaker, musician, as an artist, and and educator. And now, you know, 16 years later, we've we've reconnected um, through some work that they've been doing with uh, Adimu Majun, also known as Wolfhawk Jaguar, um, on on some films and music, and we're continuing to build and see if we can, you know, create as many projects as we can to inspire the people, you know. So this one um, chance circumstance happened to meet these guys, and we've become, you know, great friends, um, but also collaborators in, in, in music and, and in business. And um, it, it's definitely been a, a fun ride. And when you talk about that upside-down Africa, when we say upside mm-hmm. down, you know, part of the concept is, for one, with this I Yeah Africa single and, and album, we're really about the unification of African Africans in Africa and Africans all around the world, right? Sometimes in mm-hmm. some of the languages, you say I Yeah, that just means like, yo, I hear you, I see you. It's a recognition mm-hmm. of the person that's standing right in front of you, but it's also an exclamation of of joy, right? Mm -hmm. And with Mm -hmm. that upside-down Africa is to bring a new perspective of who we are as Africans um, in Africa and in the diaspora. It also is rooted back to ancient Egypt and Kemet, where their perspective of how the world actually is is different than what we've been basically taught by the Europeans and their drawings of the maps, where Europe is at the top of the map, center of the map. It's even called a continent, and it's not even a continent, right? Mm-hmm. right. So the, the Nile is the only river that flows from south to north, right? So what they call Upper Egypt is the south, but, you know, Lower Egypt is what we would call north. So it's to bring that different perspective of what we're dealing with now, but also bring in that, that ancient perspective and technology into our everyday lives. And that's a part of what the, their name, Roots 2000, is about, being rooted in our ancient traditions, but being futuristic in the present, right? 
That's 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 mm-hmm. what it's all about because the sound definitely has like a traditional South African um, Gosa sound, um, but it's also something else at the same time. You know that mm-hmm. when you turn on your radio right now, you're like, oh, turn that up. That's going to be the jam this year. You know, <laughs> and um, that and that and that's definitely what we're planning on right now with this particular single. And people that have heard it have been have been moved by it. And our, our goal mm-hmm. is to get as many people to hear it as possible, get as many people to download it, play it, come to the shows. You know, we got some T-shirts um, that mm. we're working on and a whole merchandise line of IA Africa and get it on commercials and movies, everything like that. So it, mm. it's really mm-hmm. been a, a, a project that we've invested uh, our hearts and our souls in and um, definitely want to um, bring that joy of that creation, you know, to to our people. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a what a great story! Um, you know, Peace Corps, you know, and then a whole year there. So, our I I I heard you know I know you've got the accent, but do you do you actually speak any of the uh, languages of the region in South Africa? Well, when I well, being around both these guys that are that are closer, I'm learning a few words here here and there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was <laughs> in the the northern province in the Peace Corps, the original time I was in the Peace Corps, it was a little over two years. They have a another um, tribe where I was learning the language, the Chitsonga mm-hmm. people. I think on a level of one to five, maybe I was close to a three by the time I left. But uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it, I've 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 forgotten since I've come come back to the states and you know not really utilize it as much. But I can um you know I can at least greet people, say hello, and everything like that, and get around mm-hmm. with some of the basics. Right. Yeah. Well, would you like would you like me to play um, uh, IA Africa, and then we can come back and talk after that. Oh yeah, that'll be great. Let let, let the people okay. hear it. All righty. All right.
Because of the people made into one Adversity survives no more All hope is restored Come into my home when winds are too strong Bask in the warmth of the Kayalet A reveal of the true nature of an Afghan spirit I am because we are all can feel it Can sour into sweet delegate blues Yeah, yeah, African I see why people were singing afterwards, like, yeah, I see you, Africa. Time it, it, may, it makes me feel good. You know, sometimes and you know, so it's a lot of work. You know, putting together an album and promoting, making sure everything is is lined up, um, building a, a team around it. And sometimes in the midst, when it gets a little stressful, I just have to turn on the, that song and just remind me um, how far we come with it and, and, and why we're doing it. Because it, we, mm-hmm. we're definitely it, it it is for us, but it's, it's definitely. Um, medicine for the people. Mm, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So do you have any dates lined up that people can plug in? Um, and then also I know um, the tour is not, like there's space in the tour for people to um, to actually get Roots 2000 on their, um, you know, in their programs. So tell us how you yes, do all that. Yes. Well, so one of the main things that we're looking for right now is for people to come on and um, book them for for gigs. And what these gigs include are um, live performance um, and screening of uh, of a film that they co-produced with a, a Demu Madjun called So Beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a combination of those. And, you know, people that are really looking for something unique, to add to their Black History Month ceremonies, or if you know you just you just want to um, have a show. Right now, we are um, signed up for um, two private shows uh, on the sixth, um, and also on the fourteenth. Right, uh, we're going to be mm-hmm. at Oakland School of the Art on the eleventh, doing a uh, a master class there. So what's going to happen there? The students in the Oakland School of the Arts are going to learn the song, and then we're going to uh, perform it together um, and do do a little reading. 
Uh, we're going to be at the uh, Black Men's Determination Group and also mm-hmm. performing in the city. Uh, but we definitely have some, some flexibility. Um, we're looking to go to colleges, schools, uh, corporations, you know, like the Black Googlers Network, everything like that, and um, mm-hmm. give them a show that, that they can definitely remember. Right, yeah. I, I think I saw something at MOAD. Um, is that uh, – oh, no, that already happened. <laughs> yeah, that one – so, yeah, they happened. were actually here – they were actually here in October, and um, it performed at the Moad Gala um, oh, that happened in October. Really? Nice. Yes, and we also had a show at the uh, – it was a combination show between Moad and Salesforce Tower. We were at the top of the Salesforce mm-hmm. Tower performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely beautiful. It was, def- mm-hmm. it was definitely beautiful. And uh, wow. let me ask, speaking yeah. of beautiful, the name of the film so beautiful that they – um, co-produced mm-hmm. is about a brother from Oakland who travels to South Africa for the first time and mm-hmm. finds out where his name actually comes from. All right, so mm-hmm. it, it definitely it definitely is a, a story of Oakland and South Africa um, coming together, and I, I like to say that um, we're, we're bridging the gap that Willie Lynch broke. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely we're we're we're, we're brothers on um, distant relatives like Nas and Junior Gong would say we're we're, we're coming from two different parts of the world and uh, bring bringing it together um, with brotherhood and sisterhood and, and with with the arts. Um, but if you're interested, you can give me a call five one zero nine one two two one zero three, and you can also. Um, Reach me at roots2000music at gmail dot com. So okay. e- either one of those is the way that uh, you can actually book them for 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 a show. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, well, you know, um, South Africa, um, particularly uh, Johannesburg. Johannesburg has been compared to um, to Oakland in in a lot of ways oh. and um and when I was in Johannesburg I definitely <laughs> I understood, you know, sort of that, you know, that that analogy. And um yeah, a friend of mine though, um Vern uh Dr. Vern Cromati um told me about that he's at Contra Costa College and I think he, he did some research on that. But yeah, yeah, um there there's so many parallels between South Africa and the United oh, States, um, you know, in a good definitely. way and in a bad way. A bad way insofar as, you know, apartheid, and then a good way in that, you know, the people. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's a, many South Africans or, or many South Africans I know look up to black Americans, and I know there's many black mm-hmm. Americans that look up to South, South, South Africans. We have mm-hmm. such a similar um, story in terms of our, our of our struggle for freedom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's such a similar yeah. story in terms of our, the power of music and the role that plays in our freedom and our liberation in our in our daily lives. And I think that was one of the main things that has kept me closely linked to South Africa. You know, they have Robin Island. Mm-hmm. Over here in the Bay, uh, we have Alcatraz. <laughs> That's you know, right. We, we, we've got uh, Martin Luther we've King. We've got San Quentin, and, and too. 
<laughs> in San Quentin. We've got Martin Luther King and Geronimo Pratt. You know, they've, mm-hmm. they've got um, mm-hmm. uh, Nelson Mandela and Steve Biko. You, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, um, like, we were able to achieve some political freedom and independence in the 60s. Theirs happened to happen in the 90s, right? So mm-hmm. when I when I went there in the late 90s, I imagined that oh maybe this is what it felt like before I was born in the U.S. in the in the 60s mm-hmm. and the 70s, because mm-hmm. people's political consciousness is quite astute in in South Africa, and every day I could remember people talking about how to liberate themselves, right, and mm-hmm. reminding themselves that the the, the struggle was not over. You know, mm-hmm. and listening to the music and listening to their the township jazz and how that was influenced by, you know, the the music coming out of the Harlem Renaissance, right? And mm-hmm. how Hugh, Hugh Masekela, Marion McKeever came to the states in, in exile, linked up with Kwame Ture. You know, there's just, there's just so many um, links um, that we have. And it, and uh, like you said, sometimes it could be bad or, or, or challenging or oppressive, but sometimes, you know, there, there, there's just so much hope and liberation that, that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, um, <clears throat> sort of in closing, and maybe we could definitely have a part two to this conversation, you know, once, you know, Roots 2000 are on the ground, um, about the prosperity movement. Um, yeah, why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about the prosperity movement? So, so prosperity movement is a is a movement that was created by Dimu Madjun and his wife uh, Oshun Femi Wanberi, and um, they are definitely a big part of this collaboration with Roots Two Thousand, right? And mm-hmm. the birth of it is having. And having and bringing positivity in one in one's own life, you know, always thinking in prosperity and abundance, whether it has to do with your family, your art, your community, and it's a, it's about the unification of uh, ourselves with our spirit, but also with the with the people around us. And um, right now, prosperity movement actually has a song out right now with uh, Adimu Majun, Wolfhawk Jaguar, and Slick Angel from Roots 2000 that you can find right now on iTunes. It's called Homecoming, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what a piece of, you know, when I when I go back to South Africa, that's what it feels like. It's, it's Homecoming, right? Mm-hmm. The next single that's going to come out um, is going to be with MXO from Roots 2000 and Wolfhawk Jaguar, right, called Celebration. Right then, mm-hmm. there's another one coming out with Slick Angel and Ocean <laughs> Femi One Beer, right? Called mm-hmm. called Destiny. You know these, and then, you know these power words is definitely about um, acknowledging the power of uh, uh, of our words, the power of our of our spirit, and connecting to our ancient indigenous wisdom. You know, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a uh, the prosperity movement is growing. And uh just want to throw throw a shout out to them for um you know always always being positive and um giving us a, a bright outlook on, on life and, and our and our arts. So as a part of that, you know, when we come together and you book a show, you're able to get 
all of this together. You know, the the films from Prosperity Movement were so beautiful and the soundtrack and also a Roots 2000 performing, right? So all of these people come together to to to, to build that show. So mm. it's, def- it's definitely a, a beautiful thing. You're going you're gonna to have to have him on the show too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll have to um, set that up <laughs> for the very near future. De- de- definitely. And I know you got to get off, but you remember – uh, Dimu and I actually was it probably about maybe 15 years ago um, <laughs> were a part of your film festival, the Maafa Film Festival, with our first films and music videos we were a part of in South Africa. You know, mm-hmm. and Roots right. 2000 was actually in that documentary. Really? You know, so, <laughs> yeah. If you if you I don't know if you still have a copy, but if you go look back. They are actually they are actually in there, and it it even um, had some of their solo songs. So even though they are Roots 2000, they didn't have any music videos there. But it definitely has Slick Angels' first single that we shot, MXO's first single that we shot. So this is definitely um, like a like a family reunion that's going to be happening with this trip. Oh wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean I've. I've known you and um, Wolfhawk Jaguar, Dimu Majun, for a long time and, and just watch your work just expand and increase and just, oh, man, it's just so beautiful becoming, you know, sort of a diaspora movement. And so it's been really wonderful um, to, you know, to know you and to call you a friend and, and your family. And it's, just, it's just really beautiful things. So, but I didn't know about what you just told me. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't remember yeah. either. So no, no, I don't have a copy of the film. I think um, we showed it and gave it back. But um, yeah, I would love to see that Let me, let me see again. if I can if I can work on it. You know that thing's probably in the vault somewhere. Let me see if I can find a copy and get that to you, so we can reminisce a little bit. That would be really nice. Yeah, that would be really awesome. And could you send me links to um, Homecoming and um, and uh, uh, Kalila's? Um, film that you, I mean, a song that you mentioned, okay. so I could play those too. Okay, I'll send you, Homecoming is out now. I'll send you okay. links to that. Destiny should be out within the next two to three weeks. We are working okay. on our digital distribution right now, and, you know, Prosperity Movement um, has just signed a, a digital distribution deal, and oh, um, good. a lot of work is going to be coming through there also. Okay, super. All righty. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, I have a guest from um, uh, Greedy City Theater, um, the director and co-director in the studio, and and, uh, and this nice. conversation really ties in well to what Robert Page and Lindsay uh, uh, Crumbin uh, are going to be talking about. They uh, they have a new piece uh, up now called Black Salt, uh, which looks at oh, nice. police brutality. Yeah, yeah. In Oakland. <laughs> in Oakland. In Oakland. <laughs> All, right. All right. Hello. Well, you take good care. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, Definitely. let me let me, um, let, me uh, let me unmute them so they can say hi. <laughs> okay. So Lindsay Hello there. and good uh, Robert, you can say hi. Yeah. Good, yeah. good morning. Good rising. How you doing out there? How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. It's going good. It's going good. It's a it's a good day. Like my dad says, it's a good day. It's only gonna get better. 
All right. <laughs> All right. Hi, you take good care, Shaka. Good morning. Hi, Lindsay. For sure. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey, Shaka. How you doing? Good, How you doing? Good, good. It's Rob from um, Urban, uh, United Roots. Oh, what's up? What's up? What's going on? <laughs> How you doing? What's going on with you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We in the right place. We 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 right. here. Yeah. With, um, we're here with our sister Wanda Severe, so you know it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to the song. <laughs> I'm like, I, I know this right, man. Yeah. I recognize this guy. Ah, uh, for sure. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful yeah. that you all have a connection. That's yeah. really super. Right. <laughs> Definitely. More world. Yeah. Definitely, you know everybody definitely. related in you know everybody related in Oakland. Uh yeah. <laughs> That's Oakland ain't, ain't Oakland ain't that big. That's right. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm gonna get on with um with Robert and Lindsay. Um, Lindsay. Um, so Shaka, let's until we talk again in the very near future. Thank yeah, you so anytime, much. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Right, Peace. Oh, good morning, Robert and Lindsay. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, How are you doing? Wow. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, when I saw the name Black Salt, you know, the title of Greedy City Reps, Youth Theater's current production, which is selling out, um, but people can still show up, and and somebody might not show up, and then you can get a ticket. <laughs> like I was so lucky, you know, to get a ticket, you know, last week on Saturday. But when I saw Black Thought, I just thought ritual. You know, I thought, you know, the spelling, you know, energies, you know, that might not be that great using that Black Thought to do magic. And... um and then I was reading, you know, this really, wow, well-written program. It's like a little book. <laughs> I mean, it's so <laughs> well you. done. Like, look at this, like all this great information. I mean, literally. And then I was just wondering about the black salt part. Like, where was the black salt in the theater so that we could, like, sprinkle it on and, you know, do some stuff <laughs> around the energies that were that were brought up and the different spirits that were brought up in this, like, really powerfully emotional work. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you so much, and it was wonderful to have you there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let me let me introduce you to our audience, and we can just get right into the conversation. Um, so let's say Michelle uh, Crumbin. Or is it so or Lindsay? Is there... Yeah, Lindsay Crumbine. Lindsay Crumbine. Crumbine. Oh, it's a long yeah. name. Crumbine. Long eye. Okay. <laughs> Director, <laughs> costume designer, sound designer, carpenter. She is like everything. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you if you see it in the theater, Lindsay probably had her finger in it. Um, <laughs> uh, she found a gritty city rep in January. Just wow. Um, eight years ago, right? So you have yep. almost having a 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. It has been a minute now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and you produced and directed 24 shows with talented youth performers since 2002. 
Um, Gritty City's rap theatrical credits include New Word Disorder, Play Fight, Reentry, uh, Fuji, After Juliet, Caught Up, Anonymous, uh, with brackets around Y-M-O-U-S, Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Macbeth, The Comedy of Errors, Much to Do, Much Ado About Nothing, and The Tempest, um, Crumbian, Crum, no, not Crumbine, yet, not E, Crumbine, thank you, Crumbine, um, served as education director for San Francisco Playhouse from 2009 to 2014, and coaches beginning teachers throughout the East Bay. She currently builds educational curriculum for NCTC. Yeah, that's New NCTC. Conservatory Theater Center in San Francisco. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, right there on um, the yeah. Van Ness. And trains their teaching artists. You're so busy. Like, how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> as well as recently launching the Hive Project. The Hive Project is so cool, you know, having an opportunity to um, to have a conversation with other theater um, uh, um, people who are, who are also in the, in the theater members, uh, audience members afterwards to sort of unpack what we just experienced. That was nice. Um, and uh, the High Project is a cutting-edge audience lab in collaboration with Crowded Fire Theater and Ubuntu Theater Project. And um, and you're in the really new space. It's like really nice, the Flax Building. It's like, oh, that is now your your home, right? That is now our home. Yes, we uh, mm-hmm. we are in collaboration with Ubuntu. So the actual theater space, Ubuntu rented and built out and then what the audience didn't get to see was that we rented an 1100 square foot space across the building and turned it into a rehearsal studio and office and storage space with like a beautiful sprung floor that's great for dancing and physical theater and then we also use it as a green room which Ubuntu does as well so we just have a a sharing model where I get to have my shows in their theater, and they get to use our studio for their green room and rehearsals, and we just oh. we just share. So it's pretty exciting. Nice. nice, yeah. And then Robert Page is also playwright for this particular work. You all co-wrote it, uh, and you're yeah. also the assistant director of the theater. So, wow, nice, yeah. nice. And you are a 25-year-old Oakland native. Yeah, and you're so young, right. 25 years old. Like, really? Okay. So you got a long way to go. Like, you know, yeah. like many roads to travel. Like, 25? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, how many more well, plays well, are in you, you Robert? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. A lot. Yeah. I say a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, I really like Caught Up. Caught Up was awesome. And, you know, this one thank here you, is, you. like, equally riveting. Black Salt. Oh, my goodness. Um, you first performed with Gritty City Theater in the original version of Caught Up in 2014. And then um, um, you also performed in Gritty City Rep Show's Macbeth, New World Disorder, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Caught Up. Um, both of them, <laughs> uh, the 2018 right. version, which you co-wrote, and The Taming of the Shrew. Um, and and now um, uh, you are co-writer on Black Salt. And um, 
you are excited, you write, to shift from performer to assistant directorial role. You have to tell us sort of like, how does that feel, you know, sort of expanding, you know, the width of your hand. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. I mean, I get to see, I guess one of the things that was kind of, um, you know, a revelation was how 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 tedious, like, directing can be and how how difficult it also can be. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, the joy from it. You know, I, I was used to being on the acting side. So, you know, I got to do all the rehearsing and, and uh, you know, preparing. Um, now I get to um, be more, like, hands-on with uh, assistant folks and, um, you know, diving deep into their characters. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal to, you know, make sure everything's right for the for the audience that we deliver and everything well. So it's a... It, it was. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm gonna say that I'm definitely still learning. Lindsay's uh, a great mentor for that. So thank you, Lindsay. Oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us about you know the name of this play, Black Salt. You know, which is about you know um, a lot of things. Um, you know, police use of excessive force. You know, um, you know people uh, see. Um, people um, of Latin American ancestry, you know, who are here mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, doing very well. And it's also about artists. And it's about sort of the struggle, you know, of a person whose partner is, um, you know, sort of being looked at as, you know, um, Using excessive force and killing, you know this this young person. Um, so anyway, I just wonder if you could talk about, you know, the title "Black Salt," you know, sort of that that analogy and 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 why, Robert. I read that you wanted to write about police violence in Oakland. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so right, I wonder if right. you could you yeah. know, talk about just sort of like you know why you wanted to focus on that and then how you and and Lindsay you know went about writing this this work because it's 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 a it's a look at um you know the topic um you know police violence in a way that I don't think um we've seen before. Right. Well, that's pretty great to hear. I mean, I think I think for both Robert and myself it feels important to address some real issues in the work without creating like a quote unquote issues play. Like, like we're both interested in human experience and the ways in which people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds struggle with difficult questions and, and moral conundrums. And so it, this felt like a way to, like, as you said, you know, Rob brought up police brutality, police violence right away, but then we still wanted this to be very character-driven, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, when I see work, the reason I care about it is because I care about the people, you know, and they're fallible and they have strengths and weaknesses and struggles and really watching a character go through something and not really having good answers necessarily and having to navigate 
a problematic situation is what pulls me in and where I can empathize and connect regardless of if our personal experiences are super different. So I think mm-hmm. that was a really big thing in terms of our process was continually dialing down sort of a more action-based plot and digging into what the what the family is, what the characters were going through and keeping right. that the focus. And we would have moments where it would be like a little feel like we were going in a direction that was a little too, you know, action movie based. And then we'd pause and say, do we really need that scene? Maybe not. And, and just really stay focused on the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think one of the other reasons, like, I mean, of course, police brutality is like a huge um, issue across our country, um, but definitely in Oakland. And um, mm-hmm. when I think back on, like, what kind of got me, because um, I also community organized um, as a full-time job uh, with Urban Peace Movement, and what kind of got me involved in that was um, the the unfortunate shooting of Oscar Grant. Um, mm-hmm. And it so that kind of, that was something that stuck with me, and it, it was something that kind of, like, carried throughout the country of uh, a bunch of incidents of police um you know, brutality on folks of color. Um, and then, you know, I, I feel like, just like Lynn said, we was really, like, looking at, like, depth of characters, you know what I mean? And not just, um, we weren't just focused on, like, um, yeah, the issue of police brutality, but how do we, like, wholly address these issues? I mean, I think one of the other things is, like, um, you know, people. We all are people, whether it's a police officer, whether it's um um, a fighter, fighter, whether it's a, a, a teacher, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the issues, and and how do we relate these issues in a in a real way? You know, and mm-hmm. also looking at just these sort of ripple effects. Um, you know, if you recall, we had this social media based scene in the mm-hmm. play. Um, where we were really trying to address the ways in which, you know, social media can make things really black and white and people feel very comfortable chiming in and making these decisive statements about situations that they may know very little about and like posing all of these different possibilities and scenarios. Whereas actually you know, situations are often much too complicated to be reduced to to these little sound bites. And then, of course, you know, we get news about stuff and it's like the thing and it's big and it's loud and everybody is like, blah, 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 water cooler. And then it's just done. And we move on to the next thing. But, of course, the families who have dealt with whatever trauma or tragedy or crisis are still dealing with it. And so I think one of the things we wanted to look at is like the aftermath once the, the initial fervor has died down, you know, what is actually happening behind closed doors for the people who have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
we don't we don't get a chance to see the actual um policeman who um who shoots um the fifteen year old uh, young person. So we don't actually get a chance to see how he's processing any of this because we only meet him once before um, they hear the gun shots and he, you know, pursues, um, well, he runs to the scene and then he shoots the kid. Um, yeah, I was wondering um, what what the decisions were around, around that, not letting us see um, what... The policeman felt who did it. Since we're talking Rob, about we're all people, you want yeah. you want to take that one, Rob, or me? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I don't mind. Um, okay. And you can just you can chime in, of course, if you want. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I think one of the things um, was uh, I think we didn't want to kind of. I think a lot of times what happens in our, in our communities is that with these issues, as you, we highlighted in the play, a lot of times, like, you know, the police officers get off or, um, you know, there's the blue wall of silence um, and, and things like that that kind of resound through our uh, communities. Uh, we didn't want to uh, perpetuate the idea of um, um, if it was the victim's fault or it was this person's fault. We didn't really want to put – lay blame on any individual. Um, so we actually kind of, sorry, I got my baby with me. We actually kind of okay. felt it better to leave that up to the audience to interpret around what it is that um, that these folks, that that person could be going through or, you know what I mean? We want to highlight um, his partner, someone that was there who also was dealing with it, um, mm-hmm. but in a in a different way. I don't know if you want to add more to that, Lynn. Yeah, well, and I think another conversation I recall us having is that neither of us felt equipped to authentically write that mm. scene. Like, and, you know, the depth of, we did do a lot of community interviews, but the depth of research and interviews we would have had to do, I think, to talk to people who had been involved in officer-involved shootings it just felt a little beyond what we could take on. And and one of the things that we both work really hard at is not writing outside of our lived experience and outside of our purview to a point that feels unauthentic. Um, Mm -hmm. I I would also say, you know, the, the name of the officer is Officer White. You know, it it was an actor of color in a white face mask. So that Mm -hmm. was the one character that was very much an archetype. And Mm. that was purposeful that, you know, which is a statement, you know, about white police officers, which, you know, I'm sure lots of people have varied opinions on that, but we were expressing a point of view Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and a criticism with uh, with that choice, so. But we also uh, yeah. did interview a lot of police officers of color, and you know had some really interesting conversations about the individuals versus the system, and the politics mm. of policing, and the difficulty of trying to go into policing as a member of 
like in your own community, like as a person of color grow, who grew up in Oakland and then wanting to do a good job and then a lot of the real struggles to do that because of systemic changes that we all know are needed in policing. So I think in that way, we were really trying to humanize Mila and not like excuse the problems in, in the police department, but like look at an individual who is not just like a bad cop, but finds herself in this situation where she really doesn't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you have um, you have some dream scenes where you have um, you know these these um, police officers in white face um, haunting you know Mila because yeah. you know she she you know definitely is like okay do I defend my partner um, or do I tell the truth about what I witnessed and um, yeah yeah and so a lot of questioning around around allegiance and and then it's really really beautiful to see the support that her family has um, you know having a police person in the family that wants to be a police officer and then having a person in the family that is a police officer that you know you know, while while she's basically still a rookie, or he's what's the pronoun for uh, for Mila? She, she, okay, um, yeah, is is still a um, <laughs> a rookie. You know, has has this um, this this uh, killing, you know, take place. You know, on her watch with her partner. It's like, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, and then and then her cousin. Um, her sister, really, um, who she grows up with, <laughs> is is uh, an activist and supporting um, people. A lot of people, you know, uh, in the community, young people. Um, I think that's uh, Jordan, right? Who um, yes, who who've been on the other side of that, who have experienced, you know, police violence and other types of social violence. You know, whether that it's um, you know employment or education. Or you know, or whatever you know. So it's like ah, so you know, you really have you sort of really up the ante <laughs> with with you know the disc- discourses between the various um, folks that are in the conversation. And then we you know bring in um, you know the uh, the victim and his brother, you know, uh, Giovanni, the elder brother, and um, and then is it Aspiri Dion? Is that yeah, Espirition or Spirit. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mhm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um so talk a little bit about these family dynamics because in the program you don't give us like, okay, this is the first scene and this is the second scene. So I'm like, Okay, I'm trying to remember how things <laughs> sort of rolled out <laughs> and not doing a great job remembering. <laughs> Rob, I mean, you wrote you wrote all the scenes with Mila's family. Do you want to talk about that yeah. dynamic a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's no it's no mystery. Like, um, you know, a lot of the uh, stigma that Black families have around um, uh, policing um, in general. Um, and I was uh, like, like I mentioned, I'm community organizing 
um, pretty much, you know, since high school. Um, and, my, you know, a lot of it I put from, like, my personal experience as well as, you know, experiences that I've had shared with me from others around um, takes on uh, policing. And um, so as I developed characters like uh, Jordan, um, I just really tried to dig from the root of um, how folks who are who were victims of police brutality, who were victims of, like you said, a lot of these social injustices, um, how they would come to feel like a loved one who's, who's kind of just diving into the system, into a system that they feel like kind of perpetuates their oppression, um, how they would authentically feel in regards to that. Um, so I think it, it also, like, as me, and me and Lizzie kind of co-developed Mila. Um, it also was, like, uh, an interesting dynamic for Mila, too, being, a, you know, a person I was raised in that type of family and making this deliberate choice to be a police officer. Um, so, yeah, it was um, – it actually wasn't too much of, like, a challenge developing these characters, but it was more so what is the, what is the root of uh, the essence of what they want or their purpose um, in these interactions, you know what I mean, or, you know – um. Yeah. Boy, on, what are the things? Of, uh, what? What are the things that I was really impressed with in terms of Rob's writing? Um, was the Uncle Joe character, who mm-hmm. in in a scene later in the play sits with his daughter, and really drops a lot of wisdom. And I felt that, um, you know, it's tough, I think, to write scenes like that and not be heavy-handed. And I thought Rob was able to really strike a great balance of using that scene to build the relationship between the father and the daughter and really show their closeness and the way they interact with each other, but to also do some just get some real truths out there about, you know, what this black family has experienced and just in the broader black community. And I was just really impressed with his use of the, this uncle, this older black male voice of wisdom and that just the way he was able to articulate some really heavy core beliefs in the play and yet still keep it in the voice of the character and not feel too heavy handed. So I don't know how you felt about that scene, Wanda, um, but I always really love that scene. Yeah, I I liked it too. Daughter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because they, they, they were sisters and, and this this um you know this particular incident was you know was was coming into the house and and sort of um sundering you know the great relationship that they had and so he just needed to remind you know his daughter of of who you know you know her sister cousin is and so that she wouldn't let the politics of it divide them apart, you know, because sometimes, you know, we get sort of caught up in the politics and forget, you know, the human being. And so he was just like, just had to like, oh, and she remembered like, oh, this, yeah, I remember, you know, like, 
us being in bed together, us getting in trouble together, us having fun together. And and then they talked about the the saying that they had. What's, what was that saying that they have about the plate or something? Uh, don't let nothing come between y'all except the dinner plate. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what was really Rob, nice about that thing. Where did you get that, Rob? Say it again, Lynn. Did you get that from your, was that from your childhood? Where did you get that? <laughs> it it actually was. We had a kind of like a similar saying, but um so I just, it wasn't exactly from my childhood, but I had a saying that that kind of went exactly the same, just around the idea that you know, when we step outside, then we have to come together. We can't show no division. We only time we address the uh, real issues with each other is, is behind closed doors. We want we want to we want to be unified when we you know step out into um, step inside, step outside the door, step outside the house. We are unified team. Um, so that was like a childhood belief that my grandma kind of engraved in us. Huh. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I like that, you know, um, Uncle Joe was, you know, he was real loving. Um, he, he kept on telling his daughter to come sit down, <laughs> come sit closer. <laughs> like, you know, it was like he wasn't going to start until they were in proximate, you know, proximate to one another. Like he could touch her, she could touch him, right? And yeah. there was no distance. And so that was like he had, like, you know, set set the parameters, like, okay, and then, and I like that, you know, she respected her father and, and did exactly what he said, you know, and he he listened, even though she didn't want to hear it, and uh-huh. and then, you know, and you could see her kind of, like, melting, the energy, like, dissipating, and, and to the point, where like, okay, well, and then, and then that great scene when she went, you know, Jordan went to her cousin, Mila, and, and they had their conversation, and so yeah, it was all like had all these sort of like moments of dissolve, even even between uh, Mila and her her girlfriend. You know who who was her girlfriend? What was her name? June. June. June right? Yeah, Aya Dominique. Yeah, these actors. You know, um, uh, was it um, how do you pronounce? Nigel uh, Nigel Niz- Waterman. Niza, Niza Waterman as Mila. Yeah, she's awesome. I remember her from other other plays. She was great. And um and then um Aya Dominique and as as June and then Zaria Stanton as Jordan and then Esau Mir Robbins Bilal as Uncle Joe. I mean, you know, um uh Jonathan uh Mejia uh Navida and he said that this is his was his first first day, it right? Was. As Giovanna. Like he just killed it. Like what? Yeah. Well, that, you know, I just really appreciated the dynamic between the brothers. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought both those actors, Isaac Infante and Jonathan Mejia Naveda, really went to some deep, beautiful, emotional places with kind of almost a surprising ease. Like, they were just ready for it. They got real comfy with each other. And, you know, it was interesting because after Jonathan, night after Jonathan's family came and saw the show, I asked him, you know, how they felt about it. And he said that his older brother cried multiple times. Um, And that just this idea of being left alone together and that if he found himself in this situation. So I really appreciated that. You know, I've been a teacher for a really long time and, 
worked um, mostly with uh, populations dealing with poverty, um, and which of course we all know brings a, a ton of other issues. And uh, I think one of the most profound and painful things that I learned early in my teaching career is that often there is just no good answer and there is just not a solution that you can provide no matter how bad you want to, um, which might sound obvious, but, you know, I started teaching in my 20s and was just so Are, are you, excuse me, is, excuse me for a second, Lindsay, um, is, is someone driving or something? I, I hear like, or oh, sorry. Okay, there, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll meet my phone. Okay. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just, you know, I wanted to illustrate, you know, when Giovanni is talking with his counselor, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's trying to support his aspirations, but he also has these realities of family obligation that are very real, and they're just, you can brainstorm, but like, (laughs) <laughs> Often there's just not much you can do. And mm-hmm. I just think it's important to recognize that, you know, people do get stuck in these situations through no fault of their own where they are not able to access opportunities, regardless of talent and work ethic and drive and aspiration, you know, because. Mm-hmm. Giovanni is going to prioritize his brother, mm-hmm. and right. which hurts, right? Which hurts, and he gets mad. But like ultimately, his family is the most important thing, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I think for all the characters, right? That's really yes. one of the threads mm-hmm. that runs through the play. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose you could talk a little bit about. Um, the uh um maybe since we're talking about members of the cast um um maybe you could talk a little bit more about about these wonderful actors you know some of them veterans with Gritty City and then I was wondering you could talk about you know the art because you know you bring in some really famous um Mexican artists um muralists even um you know uh Rufino Tamayo you know he's like you know, he's iconic, <laughs> you know, 1899 yeah. to 1991. Um, and and then you've got Jose Guadalupe uh, Posada, 1852 to 1913. So it's like, you know, you bring in, like, these historic presents of, of you know, sort of, um, of, you know, Mexican, Mexicano artists and art and with it, the history. Um, and, and then, you know, sort of the decision to... Um, you know, to look at um, police brutality and excessive use of force through multiple lens, but, the, you know, the person who was killed is not a person of African descent. You know, it's a person of, you know, uh, Latino or Mexican descent. So it's like a difference there. Um, and so, so you're able to like, so there are like all these multiple levels of conversation that we're having. Um, around, you know, this incident. Yeah. um, So the ensemble this season is very exciting. Uh, About half new, 
half a veteran ensemble member. So Naja and Zaria started with us as sophomores in high school, and they're both seniors about to graduate and both interested in majoring in performing arts in college, um, mm. which is pretty exciting. Uh, Aya Dominique is a senior at Mills finishing her theater degree. So she just nice. presented her thesis in uh, directing and performing, which actually Rob and I were both able to go check out at Mills, which was pretty exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan is brand new this year. He's a recent graduate of UC Santa Cruz and mm-hmm. had always been interested in acting, but just never gotten into it and clearly is such a natural and so talented. And so we're just thrilled to have him on board and even though he's a new actor he just brings a level of maturity and you know skilled communication that made him just a total dream to work with uh Esau is a Rob Esau's a junior right yeah Esau's a junior at Street Academy in Oakland and is just such a brilliant young man and just brings like his family is super social justice oriented and he's just been engaging in all kinds of community arts and community activism I think since he was a little boy and so Mm -hmm. you know his lens and his just whole vibe and he's also this is his second year with us and I just think his his skills have grown by leaps and bounds um, which is exciting to see uh, Isaac, who plays Espiridion, the little brother, is actually uh, um, studying at Merit right now okay. um, in criminal mm-hmm. justice and is interested mm. in becoming a police officer. So, that, you know, oh, it's wow. like, uh-huh. yeah, right? And so, mm. um, and then we've got Jules, Gabby, or, who played Adela. They're brand new. We've got Noah, who played the cop and also played Uncle Leek and, you know, is right now in the process of applying to the performing arts school at Stanford. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got a real powerhouse cast. Kelly E., who played the trumpet in the show, you know, goes Mm -hmm. from playing a super queer character with all kinds of insane comedic timing to playing the district attorney super harsh and stern you know I thought for a junior in high school that he does really amazing character work and is getting better all the time Diana Gomez is new this year this is her first show with us she was fantastic um Joy Knighton also is a graduate of UC Santa Cruz but in the theater program and had been with us in past years and came back to do this show um, God, Rob, am I forgetting anyone? I hope not. <laughs> Gabby. Yep, I said Gabby, who played Adela. Um, the counselor is brand new. She's our youngest. She's a sophomore in I mean, high Zalicia. school. I Zalicia. That's a Ray. Yeah, oh, and Zalicia is fantastic. Well, Zalicia worked with Robert at um, at CFJ, right, Rob? Yeah, at California Suggested. Yeah, and so she came to us through that connection and is just, like, has the most amazing spirit, played Art Ray to a T. Um, She was good. (laughs) Yeah, so we just have a 
we just have a really strong squad. And some of the young folks that came out and saw the show are excited to audition on Tuesday. So I think we're going to get a few new folks because a few of our um, university age folks are not able to perform in the spring show because of just, you know, school conflict. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I forget your other question. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm excited talking about the bubble. Yeah. Um, about, you know, sort of, um, you know, bringing in, you know, DACA and the Dreamers and and having, you know, the crime happen, you know, the killing happen in in a community outside of the black community, which is, you know, sort of it's what's expected. You know that a black right. youth is killed or a black person is killed, um, but you all switch it up. So, yeah, well, so we have these multiple um, conversations happening. Um, you know, it's, black. Cops. Well, and I think that's mm-hmm. really the point, right? Is mm-hmm. to just um, and and just in doing research, uh, there is a there is a bit of an issue with such crimes going like underreported in terms of the media and not as highlighted. And I think because of a lot of fears around ICE and the, you know, just how bad things are, the current climate around immigration, around lack of documentation, you know, folks are frightened to be as vocal and, you know, certainly people in the Latinx community are being targeted by police, are more likely to be arrested, go to prison, be shot and killed, um, very similarly to uh, African-American folks. So, yeah, we thought that that would really add some depth to the play and allow us to broaden the conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And and then I mentioned, you know, the art, and the soundtrack is really awesome, too. Oh, so Chris Granillo is the painter who did the projected mural that was supposedly Espiri Dion's work. So Chris Granillo, yes. got a mm. plug for him for sure. He's an amazing muralist. I actually met Chris because he painted a mural in our new studio, um, mm. Dragon School. So he was a volunteer with them and came to do a gorgeous mural for us. And we needed this strong visual art um, and really wanted a Mexican painter, a, Mex- a Chicano, Mexican-American painter, you know, who knew Rufino Tamayo, who knew Jose Guadalupe Posada, who, you know, came from those cultural traditions um, and had grown up familiar with these artists. And so he also did the sketchbook, you know, mm. which was a real oh, labor really? of love. Yeah, so yeah, Chris did the nice. sketchbook and the Coyote mural for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I thought was such beautiful work. So he is really fantastic. And I know he does other mural work in San Francisco and in Oakland. And, you know, he definitely has a presence on social media, so any folks who are interested in that fantastic art should look up Chris Granillo on G-R-A-N-I-L-L-O 
on Instagram and all that stuff. He's he's really fantastic and was so generous with us. Yeah, he was really great to work with. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I yeah. think you were saying, oh, look at this little booklet, like our playbill, it was so informative. That's one thing we always strive to do is, you know, provide some really good, interesting information around the play that people can take away with them and hopefully learn about something new. I mean, I would imagine a bunch of our audience members had were not familiar with those two painters, you know, mm-hmm. but then they learn something and maybe during the play, not everybody gets certain references, but then they can look back and be like, oh, that's what that was. And, you know, mm-hmm. just garner some knowledge. So it's a fun, right. it's a fun way to mm-hmm. just provide some information for people. Right, yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack? Um, that, I mean, we just sort of discussed a particular vibe. The play sounded really moody and bluesy <laughs> to us, but with that sort of hip-hop bass line underneath for Oakland, and so that's what, that's what we went for. Mm-hmm. I just do lots of searching. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you are all the kind of known. Well, we've talked before about you know, sort of the soundtrack is it's real intentional, and 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 once again, you know, you got it. It's very nice. Thank um, you. Wish wish that it was listed in here, like what we're listening to, so then we could call it up and play it ourselves. You know, if it's <laughs> well, uh, not original I music. Make a playlist, and anyone who wants it can just email me, and I'll share it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I want to email it to email. I want to see your playlist. I want your playlist. Okay, cool. I will definitely give you my playlist, Wanda. <laughs> cool, yeah. And um, and so um, for this weekend, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, how do people get tickets? So not on Sunday. We close Saturday night. Um, oh, you're not going to have an excuse? Friday and oh. Saturday. Um, yes. Friday and Saturday are sold out. Uh, Tonight we still have about 20 tickets left. We're really hoping they go in the next five hours. Uh, People can go online to www.grittycityrep.org. And also my email is grittycityrep at gmail. And I got discount codes. We try and do, you know, radical access. We've got super cheap tickets. We've got general admission tickets. We want we want to fill seats. So, you know, whatever folks' capacity is, come on down. Uh, usually we do have some releases for no-shows, like you were saying, Wanda. So if folks can't come out tonight but can only come Friday or Saturday, definitely come try at the door. We're in the Flax Building at 1501 Martin Luther King Jr. Way at 15th um, through the back parking lot. And, uh, yeah, please come on down, especially tonight. Help us fill it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there is a parking lot. And we have sold out the whole run, right, which is always a pretty awesome thing to claim. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. <laughs> have you have you have you been selling out all of your your um like when you have a run, do you sell out generally? 
sometimes, but not always. Not always. Oh, okay. We should. We should, but mm-hmm. it's it's tough, you know. People people wait till the last minute, or you know, forget, or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of competition too. Always lots of events going on. So. Mhm. Yeah. 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 So you've got you've got like these images of angels and um uh and returning spirits and things like that. Um so I was wondering once again to ask you about, you know, this whole idea of black salt and and where it is um in in the work and where it is in in the actual physical space that we're we're occupying for for the play. Well, I mean, to me, I think it's it's like the way that people engage with their families and are seeking mm-hmm. out protection and understanding, you know, to get past these difficult, dark places. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think if you if you look at the definition of black salt, this is sort of the scrapings from the barrel that are. Mm-hmm rich and sort of the most flavorful, but, you know, come from a place that is often not the most ideal, right? So I think for me, it's kind of the ways in which these really hard, painful situations shape us, but can also kind of refine our self-knowledge and our sort of own ways of looking at the world and living in a way that's really true to ourselves, right? But that the process is painful and hard. Should we have dishes of it around the theater, Wanda? Yes, yes, particularly in the four corners. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have to think about that. Invite, invite, invite your audience to. You know, to, to take a little pinch. I love that. Let's see yeah, what I can yeah. do. Yeah, we 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 see need it because week. there there are too many gunshots going off. Like every time we turn around, and then and then in that mo- that um uh the scene, I don't know what you call this, and you could tell me the name of it. And I love the way it was set up, where you have these people on these shelves, <laughs> and. <laughs> That's just like, oh my gosh, that is just so awesome. And then, and then you have um, these scenes like what's going on in mo- in the um, in in technology are are actually visually created, you know, right there in the space. And you bring in people from the audience, but ultimately somebody is dying over and over and over again. And that's what happens in the media, right? You just see it's on replay. And it's like, yep. oh my God, it's it's just a bit too much. Um, so yeah, we need some black salt. You got it. So we can so we it. can leave it. You leave the trauma, <laughs> and just hold on yeah. to you know the family you know that has lost you know in, in the case of um, you know the brothers, um, but but actually um, you know the brother remains. He's still there, but he's just transformed into another. And that's really beautiful. The, the the connection between spirit and the present is just so tangible, like the way it is on stage, but it's it's tangible for real. But the way those scenes are just so awesome. I mean, 
really, really, really awesome. All the writing, they're just so beautiful. And, and like um, the actor's brother, I was just like, oh, man, I was just tearing up. I had my tissue <laughs> in yeah. my pocket. Yeah, it was just really, really beautiful because it was so sad. But then he was there, you know, in a lot of ways, talking to his brother. They were joking. He'd laugh, and then he'd look around. It was just really, really awesome. Like, oh, did I just imagine this? Where'd he go? Yeah. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, like, amazing to hear your reactions. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Robert, do you have any... Pulse. We had a student matinee on uh, on mm. Tuesday, and yes. um, we had two, actually, but for the morning matinee, a big class from Oakland Tech came, and I want to give a plug to their uh, Social Justice Academy because <laughs> they came with, like, 55 people, and they asked 55. if, um, wow. yeah, teacher Catherine Coleman, who's just a total rock star, and she asked if they could stay for 20 minutes afterwards in the theater to have a discussion. And mm-hmm. I sat in there and eavesdrop on it. And boy, these young people were just, I mean, they loved the show, but they're just critical thinking around it and the depth of their commentary and sort of their personal experience connections. And boy, it was just really wonderful to see that level of engagement um, and this academy that's clearly doing great work and these students were just in it and making all of these thoughtful, super reflective, super intelligent comments. And it just made me think, you know, go Oakland schools. I know we got some Mm. issues, but there's also some really amazing stuff going on. And of course, just always amazing young people. So Mm-hmm. We love to get squads like that out to see this kind of work. Mm, nice, I mean, that's nice. where you went, Rob. That's your alma mater, Oakland Tech. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. That's the Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> and where you got your start in theater. Yeah, exactly. That's where I actually met Lindsay. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's where I, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great right, to yeah. have that connection. Nice. Right. Nice. Yeah. A lot of ties. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, yeah. Any um any closing thoughts, Robert? And um I know you already know what you all are doing next, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely still working and writing. Lizzie's definitely still pushing um pushing me to do a lot of writing. Um mm-hmm. but I mean uh, I just want to uh, thank you for having us on the show and, and coming out and really giving uh, thorough feedback. We spent a lot of time to develop um, the characters and to um, kind of tackle this issue um, in, a, in a way that we feel like was authentic. Um, mm-hmm. So I, we really appreciate just folks coming out and, and and just sitting with it through the tears and the laughter and all of it, you know. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and have you had um members of um Oakland PD come through um as as a group um or anything to sort of experience the work since you know you mentioned um how you had all of these um you did all these interviews so a lot of community members know, you know, about the play. Have you had any um any any visits from you know the antagonist side? 
Actually, um, one of my friends from high school, um, who we actually interviewed, who I did do theater with at Tech, um, is um, uh, on the force, and he actually came through for a show. Um, nice. And yeah. 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 And we've got another. And, we've got another group coming on closing night, who are part mm-hmm. of our interview process. Um, you know, I have thought about, and Rob and I had talked about reaching out to OPD, but then, Rob, you remember that conversation we had with your activist friend that night? So we were, we were talking about it, and we got some feedback from another activist who said, you know, you want to think a little bit about who your right. audience right. is who your typical audience is, your loyal, gritty city audience is, and what their interactions might be with the police and who you might be re-traumatizing by having a group of cops in Mm. the theater. And that was not something that had even remotely occurred to me, I must admit. Mm -hmm. And when she said it, I thought, you know... If we want to do this, we probably got to do a lot more work, you know, to make sure that we're holding space in a safe way for all kinds of people. And it just felt like something that was a little beyond what we had capacity to tackle while getting mm-hmm. the show up, um, right. you know, while already wearing so many hats. And so although we definitely invited all the folks that were directly involved, I didn't do like a general outreach to OPD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking um, it's, it's probably too late for this particular run, but I was thinking that would have been a, probably a good idea for a special Performance, you know how you're doing it for the young people, for the school age, exactly. for school. Yeah, that that would have worked for like just them. <laughs> yep. And, and, no, and absolutely. Then that, absolutely, and mm-hmm. generate yeah. critical some critical discussion around exactly. that in a way that other folks mm-hmm. wouldn't have been triggered. So you know mm-hmm. what, Wanda, I just need a little more staff. I need some like oh. community outreach staff. Oh, hey, <laughs> so I'm interested. Make that stuff Send me an application. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we could do a trade. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Let's have lunch and talk about it. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, I want uh, to congratulate you, you know, Gritty City uh, rep, um, on on your new space. It, it's it's just awesome. Um, I love I love the tears, <laughs> like you know. Um, you know, in not the tears, but the, um, the risers, I don't know what do you call it, the, with, the risers. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa, look at look at the Flex Theater. Like it's like it looks like a theater theater. I mean, like yes. risers. Like oh my god. Like whoa, where did this? When did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> that happened like hustling for about forty hours in the month before the show. That's when that happened, Wanda. <laughs> Impressive. Myself and our artistic director Alex actually built those because our master carpenter hurt his back 
right Ooh. before he was supposed to start building them. So I actually built those risers, Wanda, with Alex Trono, who was running the light board. <laughs> wow, wow, bonkers, that's amazing. But, but yeah. Mark, wasn't it a great view? Yes, yes. It's, it's you know, when, when there are risers, you're like, I'm in a theater. I mean, you know, when there are seats, you know, on one level, you know, maybe it's a salon. But... <laughs> <laughs> when there are risers, you know, um, you know, like this is a this is a theater theater, like whoa, like it's official. So anyway, I love yeah. it. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> it was a labor of love, but I totally agree, and I want everyone to be able to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you can. It's very nice, and they're sturdy. <laughs> Even though we have oh, journeyman yeah. carpenters, right? <laughs> They weigh about a jillion pounds each, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And, and Robert, thank you and your baby. Wow. Um, so quiet now. Is is your baby sleeping? Oh, no. I just kept meeting her. She wasn't, she wasn't that quiet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she, she's a, <laughs> she's got the patch fire right now because she's feeling uh, yeah, right. Well, we'll tell. Is, is it a girl? Yeah, oh, it boy. is. Her name is Rihanna. Rihanna, we'll tell Rihanna. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting letting your dad, you know, participate in the conversation. We appreciate it. Rihanna <laughs> <laughs> is the best. She's the best baby. Uh. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well. Good luck on the rest of your run, and I look forward to, um, you know, seeing your next work. And, yeah, let's talk, uh, Lindsay, about outreach. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. We'll definitely be in touch. Thank you so much for coming out and inviting us on. It's always a wonderful conversation, Wanda. Thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. You have a good rest of the day, both of you. You too. Thank you so much. You oh, too. Take Peace. care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. So we're going to close out with Adimu Majun. We mentioned him, Wolfhawk Jaguar. Uh, since we talked about Prosperity Movement uh, as one of the sponsors of the um, the upcoming um, tour of Roots 2000 um, in the Bay, uh, one is thinking about, well, let me just play Prosperity Movement just in case you don't remember it. How do I attain the lifestyle that I want to lead? Prosperity. Abundance. 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 We want it in abundance. Prosperity movement. Prosperity movement. Blessings are now. This is a prosperity movement. The time has come, the time is now A movement of the people and a movement of like minds The everlasting coconut tree has been found The prosperity movement is now Leaving lower level chakra sound Ascending to the highest points on the crown The crown is already bought and paid for Put it on, it's activated now Now behind the veil, removing the illusions 
define it well. Issa wrote it on the wall. We define well. And so it is. The beauty. The high animal spirits. Songs of prosperous moments. So the gods that hear it. Be grateful. Follow your bliss. Use rituals of gratitude. How do I attain the lifestyle that I want to lead? Prosperity. Abundance. 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 We want it in abundance. Movement, and I want to remind folks that tonight um, the film sneak preview, We Cry Power in San Francisco tonight at the Redstone Building, 2640 16th Street, 6 to 8 p.m. There's going to be a discussion following the one-hour uh, screening of the work in progress, We Cry Power, which looks at the um, uh, the um, Poor People's Movement, um, inspired by uh, Dr. King's Poor People's um, March, and um, which happened after he passed, and the Poor People's Movement, which is uh, took his inspiration from um, the Moral Mondays, and sort of um, now leading up to the June twentieth, twenty twenty March on Washington, where people are going to be telling more of their stories. But this is. Um, uh, Dr. Um, Pastor um, 
William Barber and uh, and uh, Pastor Theo Harris. Um, and so anyway, the film screening is free, 6 to 8, and again, it's at the Redstone Building, 2640 16th Street in San Francisco, and I'm sure you can access it um, through the uh, uh, on BART. And, uh, and again, the director, uh, Dara Kell, was on my show yesterday um, morning. So wanted to leave you with that. And uh, tomorrow we're going to be playing a rebroadcast of one of our shows. I haven't decided yet which one, but it's going to be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm babysitting tomorrow, so I won't be able to have a live show. So you take good care. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings. <laughs>